This episode of Comic Book Junto is brought to you by Bear Fruit, a Philadelphia-based lifestyle brand dedicated to turning beliefs into creative action and inspiring others to do the same. Head over to bearfruit.com, that's B-3-A-R-F-R-U-I-T.com, and sign up for our newsletter. While you're there, check out our other podcast, The Beautiful Struggle, a weekly conversation series hosted by me, Octavius A. Newman, featuring various guests telling their origin story. Don't forget to grab some merch from our online store. As a reward for being a loyal Comic Book Junto listener, use promo code CBJ to get 10% off your next order. Bear fruit. Believe. Create. Inspire. Now let's start the show. Junto episode 52. I'm your host, Octavia St. Newman. I'm the creator of Bear Fruit, and I'm here with my co host, Adam Jungle Boy Tetris. Adam Jungle Boy. Yeah. That's it. I'm yeah. A, I'm a feral, I'm a wild child. Right. I was raised in the jungle. Raised in the streets. I was raised in the, the urban jungle. Remember that uh, movie, what, Jungle uh, what City? Uh, the urban jungle streets, the, the mean <laughs> jungle streets of Schwanksville. Schwanksville. Schwanksville, PA. Yeah, exactly. It's hard out there. It's hard out there when the <laughs> Schwanksville parade comes through. Yeah. Actually, we did have a parade. It was a very, very small parade. Uh, it was a, like a Halloween parade every year. Mm-hmm. And they would just roll you down a hill in a wagon. Like, that's the Schwanksville parade. You grew up around wagons? Hard out here. Yeah. Man. Yeah. All what right. What can I say? That's the, hey, look. Just a little tale from the jungle from me to you. Right. Um, Happy holidays, Octavius. Same to you. The reason, got, the reason got, for the season is is Comic Book Junto, I believe. Is that the reason for the season? I believe, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all that stuff. Well, we'll get a chance to say a lot of that stuff because we're not at the end of the year yet. Not yet. We did get a request for an end of the year-ish episode yeah. when we could talk about some of our favorite comics of the year, favorite, um, one, favorite um, books of the week. For the year, so Adam and I are talking through how to see if we can make that happen. 2016 has been a, a difficult year for a lot of people, but I will say, comic books, excellent in 2016. Mm-hmm. Music, excellent in 2016. Mm-hmm. Like, the albums that came out in 2016 made this year okay. We, uh, and the well, comics that came out this year were superb. Well, I mean... The return of East Atlanta Santa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know and, what I'm saying? And Christmas album from Gucci Mane. St. Brickulous. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh. St. Brick is out here. Uh-huh. You know? Jolly St. Brick. <laughs> the Jolly St. Brick. <laughs> That's oh, my J name. That's my AKA J name. Jolly St. Brick. Yeah. Kid Cuddy came out. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that last week? Or Cuddy came out last? on Friday. Cuddy came out. I was just getting ready to see Rogue One, and mm-hmm. I saw Cuddy's album came out. St. Briculus came out. Oh, my God. Gucci Mane. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. Locks came out. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. I'm on Apple Music right now, and I'm looking at Gucci Mane, The Return of East Atlanta Santa. That's right. And uh, iTunes has written at the bottom of the album, it says, The Extra Prolific Rapper mm. Closes Out. 2016 mm. on a high note. Extra prolific. Right. That means <laughs> Gucci Mane does not stop. He's come out with what, 26 albums since he got out of prison? I, ha- I have no idea. It does not stop. Yeah. Continuing with music that I enjoyed, 
the Insecure soundtrack came out. Oh, word. That's a good listen. That is. Music from the original HBO series. Didn't Solange, Solange put together or, or helped with music direction on that? Solange Knowles. Because she's in the she's in the credits at the end of every episode, hmm. something to do with arranging for the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. So there's that. That's dope. There's a lot of good music in Insecure. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, I listened to it. I was like, okay, this is a little jam here. The Rogue One album, Rogue on One Apple soundtrack music. came out. Do you listen to to those sort of soundtracks? You know what? The my favorite soundtrack. This is a, this is an old cut. Oh, the music from the original motion picture, Mortal Kombat, Rocky. Rocky, the original Rocky. Yeah, that's a good soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. That that feels and do the right thing. Uh, oh yeah. Well, I mean that's obvious. Those that, are that like if sense. I think if I think of a good soundtrack I want to listen to, either do the right thing or Rocky. Yeah. Uh, Tron, the Neutron movie. <laughs> Daft Punk did that album. <laughs> and that's, that's that sounds like Inception. Well, I it's, guess it's they kind of they all kind of sound the same. Kind of similar. Come to think of it, yeah. But they, Daft Punk did that album. Uh, that the what is it, Tron Legacy? And I think so. The, the soundtrack was really good. Did you ever hear the Daft Punk song they do with Jay Z? The the uh, Tron Jay Z song. What the yeah? Is Jay Z rapping about using the internet? Is I don't know. It is so bad. You the verse that Jay Z has. In Monster, mm-hmm. Kanye West's Monster, mm-hmm. it is worse than that. You didn't like that the verse from Monster, Jay's verse in that song. I mean, don't get me wrong, Nicki Minaj's verse in Monster was the best best verse on Monster. Rick Ross was great on that, but it, you weren't feeling Jay Z's verse. Despicable, despicable. He just lists zombies and creatures. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm I'm looking it up right now so I can something, just read something it. Ghoul. Godzilla, everybody knows Loch Ness Monster. It's it's just like these are these are the 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 creatures that I can think of. I'm typing for monster in Google right now. Mm -hmm. I got you just got Monster High, Monster Trucks, Monster. We get the point. Monsters Inc. Uh huh. Yeah. Either way, look up the lyrics. You weren't feeling it. No, it's not good. But were you were you feeling the Rogue One uh, soundtrack more than you were feeling the movie? Because if you haven't, if you haven't listened to our one shot no, episode I, of Rogue okay. One, Octavius, a Star Wars story, if you haven't listened to us debrief, review, dialogue, and argue yeah. about Rogue One, a Star Wars story, just go ahead on your um, podcast catcher of choice, yeah, whatever that is, whether that's Overcast, Google Play, iTunes, right on SoundCloud, whatever the case may be. And if you've seen the movie, because you know with the Blackout Congregation, we try to stay black. Which means if you haven't seen the movie, don't listen to the, the the our review. But if you have, check it out and listen to Adam and I argue about where uh, whether or not the Rogue One movie was necessary. I was very clear. Or if it should be seen before it should have if it should have its rightful place. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Has, this is my impersonation of, of Octavius right now. Spoiler, spoiler. That's what I'm, I'm about saying. To say the name of the movie. Spoiler, spoiler. Blackout Congregation. Is, we know how you. I, I know how you don't look at movie posters. You don't want to know. All the title I'm saying the is, you'll you'll be able to have, weigh in like some of the other people on Twitter <laughs> on where Rogue One should fall in the watching order. We will get Wars. to. We, we're going to get to some of those comments. On Twitter later in the talkback segment, because Octavius has set his his people <laughs> out to get me. I got I can't sleep at night. 
Well, because I got people on Twitter. What do you want me to do? Telling me what it is. Listen, I'm not saying <laughs> no that people should. You know, things happen. All I'm saying is, th- all I'm saying is things happen. I don't know. Maybe somebody should do something about that. Um, you know, Adam's saying that it should have a certain place in the washing order. I'm not saying that it should or shouldn't have that position, but I know some people aren't happy about it. Maybe they'll do something about it. I don't know. Not my. I don't president. know. My not, thing is, I know people. Not my. Not my presence. I know people. Not the people who would do anything. You don't. But know I know that stakes. there are people out there who would do things. You don't know stakes. You don't know universities. You don't know business. I know people. You know, people, though. Thank goodness. <laughs> Here's uh, just, a, just a moment, if I may, uh, a poem. Mm-hmm. Sasquatch, Godzilla, King Kong, Loch Ness, Goblin, Ghoul, a zombie with no conscience. Mm-hmm. Question. What do these things all have in common? Mm. Everybody knows this is a very bad verse in the song Monster. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I feel like Issa Rae. <laughs> the episode where she goes for the open mic night. <laughs> like, let me just do this. Oh, man. I just had that. I had to get that out of my There's system. There's just nobody here to film you and put you on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Play me in front of the kids. I'm like, oh, no. Right. Um, if you haven't watched Insecure, go watch Insecure. Just for, your, for your information. Mm-hmm. Do yourself a favor. Yeah. All right. So let's get into this news. We got to pay the bills. Oh, yeah. Listen. Yeah. You know what it is. Uh-huh. Bearfruit.com. We got to bear that fruit. Go to the there. Go go to there. Go, yeah, hey, go to there. Go to there. And when you get to there. <laughs> go to there. Sign up for the newsletter. Check out the store. Buy some stuff. Also, go check out our official merch at tpublic forward slash tpublic.com forward slash user forward slash um, comic book junto. I'm working on a new t-shirt. Hey. Putting yeah. something together. I showed it to Adam. Mm-hmm. Getting some feedback. Um, I'm actually in a design apprenticeship. Um, interactive design apprenticeship. Well, just really a design apprenticeship. So I'm flexing my design muscles. I'm learning some things. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to put those things to use. Mm-hmm. You know, I got an idea. Just now? No, I've had it for a while. Oh, okay. But I got an idea All right. for an app that I want to make in 2017. All right. That's all I'm going to say. Can you give me two apps and smush them together? You, here's the, the formula. This is what I hear all the time. Okay. From entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. It's like X, but Meets. if Y. Right. It's like X and Y. Mm-hmm. It's like Facebook, but but this. Right. Yeah, exactly. Can I do that? Yeah, can you do that for me? Can you I, give me a peek? I could, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> okay, all right. You got to keep your cards close. I'm just going to work on it. <laughs> you got to keep your cards close. And then, close. you know, we'll see what ha- we'll see what 2017 brings. But that's the plan. Mm-hmm. I got a plan to make something that I think the fans of Comic Book Junto would appreciate. That's what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. That's where we'll leave it. All right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll take it. I'm ready. I'm excited. All right. 2017 is going to be a good year. So, yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah. We got some plans for some stuff that we want to do in 2017. It's going to be Let's big. talk a little bit about a couple of those things. Sure. And if you guys wouldn't mind hitting us up on Twitter, let us know what you think. We'd appreciate that. Yeah. Adam on Twitter is... Adam Teteris. A-D-A-M-T-E-T-E-R-U-S. I am at Octavius A. Newman on Twitter. Um, hit us up on Twitter as you listen along. Shoot us some tweets. Or after you listen, shoot us some tweets. And also, by the way, don't forget to leave your comments on SoundCloud. We're ne- noticing you guys doing that. 
We appreciate it. I'm rolling. Hilarious. Reading some of the live tweets. People who are just listening to it and adding comments at different times. Uh, it's funny. It's so good. It's like you, like you're listening to it with like uh, at the same time. Yeah. So we appreciate that. Also, thank you for those of you that are giving us five stars and positive comments. We appreciate that. Every one of those helps and gets us higher and higher in the rankings so that more people can join the Junto. So we appreciate that. Now, 2017. We got some stuff that we're planning on doing. Mm -hmm. You want to talk about some of those things? Uh, yeah. Okay. So first and foremost, something that we've mentioned before on the show. I know that we've talked about this, but we want to have some live stuff. Yes. We would like uh, to do live stuff in that you will have video of Comic Book Junto. Mm -hmm. So that's something that we're looking at. We also want to do live stuff as in like live, live, a live stream, not just something that you can listen to and then we publish the next day, but maybe something that you can come out to like we did at Amalgam yes. uh, eons ago. Many moons ago. Uh, and uh, that was great. We want to do more of that. We want to have more opportunities to see you and meet you and, and, and chat with you and do a show for you live stream. So what that looks like is a little bit up in the air. We have a few options. Got a few we options. discussing. We're just yeah. going to narrow that down. Yeah. I want to throw a couple out there. So mm -hmm. one thing that we want some feedback on is we wanted to do a weekly live stream. That's right. Something that's separate from the show. That's not actually you live streaming, like watching us record the show, but something where Adam and I can get in front of one of the live streaming apps, whether it be Facebook Live, YouTube Live, Instagram Live, Periscope, which is connected to Twitter now. We want to do something where we can talk to you, answer questions, get feedback. We'd ideally like to do it before Brown Bag Day, before Wednesday, so we can talk to you guys about what are you guys picking up? What do you think that we should be picking up? I also want to go further into the pool list. You know, we we get to the end of every episode and we talk about the pool list and we pick our two books of the week. Mm -hmm. so we try to squeeze in three, but it never. never yeah, yeah it's tough because we have long conversations about yes. the books that we really care about. But I would love to share even just a brief opinion on the other books that I'm reading. I'm still picking this thing up. I don't even know why I'm picking it up anymore. Mm -hmm. Or this surprised me because the last issue wasn't that good. You know, I, I would love to take a little bit more time to focus on some of the other books that don't get as much love. Right. Yeah. And we also just want to like maybe add, answer some questions or you can guys can hit us with some Ask CBJ stuff on that live stream. We can take that into the show or, you know, we can respond back right live right then and there. So yeah. let us know, one, would you appreciate a live stream that's outside of the actual show and what platform should we use? Which one would be best? Yeah. Which one do you guys spend most time on? Um, we're kind of leaning towards like, preferably we want to do YouTube live, mm -hmm. but that takes some equipment we don't have that's quite right. yet. So um, before we move to YouTube live, which is our ideal thing, we're looking at either Facebook live, Instagram live or Periscope slash, you know, the Twitter things. Everything has a live component now. Yeah. So we want to pick in the, the whole idea is day time you can show up and we'll be there. Not something where it's like, I mean, you're going you're to be able to watch it later, but we want it to be a place where we can come together at one point and you know, we're going to be there and you, we know that you're going to be there and we're going to talk. Hey, why don't we do vine? I hear that's going to be big mm, in 2017. The new thing. Vine's going to be popping off. I think you it's going to be around in a short period of time. It's going to be around Especially for a long time. Short, short winded. You know, we tend to be concise. Yeah. Yeah. Right yeah. to the point. This, this episode is going to be 
14 hours long, so yeah. buckle in. We have a lot to talk about. You guys about. don't even know the fact that we literally spoke for an hour and some change <laughs> about one of the news topics before we even hit record. Uh, I think we needed to polish it up before we even we, we even got on the microphone at yeah. all. Yeah. And I'm glad that we did. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that means that we've been in this room. <laughs> How long was R. Kelly trapped in the closet? L- uh, longer than this. Okay, but I think sometimes... It's about that much time. Yeah. That we're trapped in this room. How many episodes? How many closets was he in? He was in like 13 closets. Wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he did. Kind of he was easy. in a lot of closets. <laughs> he went from John kept going. It was closet. like, all right, this is getting ridiculous now. He was in the cupboards for a little while. Goodness gracious. He was the elf in the show. It just for started a bit. getting really like, okay, I don't need this anymore. Weren't there like 20? 20- there was a lot of closets that he came in and out of. <laughs> Another thing we're going to do in 2017. It's like a Narnia thing. He right. goes into one and goes into a totally different world. He's in vestibules, it's all t- outhouses, <laughs> boys, and all kinds of stuff. Another thing we want to do in 2017 is we actually want to do um, video. We want to get our YouTube channel popping, and we want to actually bring you comic book junto and have a video portion that you can look at. So what we're doing now... Adam and I are taking the past year of episodes, yeah. and we are adding the animation. If you haven't gotten a chance to see the animation of the fist bumps coming together and that loop that happens over and over again, we're going to be taking all the episodes, putting them together, and putting them on YouTube. And moving forward, we're going to be putting every episode that we do in audio form on YouTube with the animation for now. And yeah. then we want to actually also do a video, like a, a full fledged video version that you can check out. Yeah. So that's another plan that we have going on. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the, and we got some other stuff too. Some other stuff that yeah, that's have, not all, you know, but these are some of the things that we at least want to bounce off of you guys before 2016 ends. So that as we're going into 2017, we're fleshing out our ideas and what we're going to do first, you know, and all that kind of stuff. We're factoring in what you guys are saying. So yeah, hit us up on Twitter. Um, hit us up. Comicbojunto at barefruit.com. But Twitter is, is probably best because, you know, we can interact right there with you. We live on Twitter. I think both of us just keep it up all day long. Yeah. And it's also funny. You guys are funny. We're going to read some of your tweets today. Yes, we will. But all right. So next in the news. Speaking of funny. Yes. Talk to me about this guy. Uh, Rogue One is in theaters right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Everybody is Star Wars crazy. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a it's as a, always. It is yeah as always. But when a new movie comes out, there's this this palpable energy. People are talking about Star Wars. People are feeling Star Wars. They're talking about the Force, and it's just a thing. Well, apparently in Portland, Oregon, one guy is feeling Star Wars so deep that he's riding around in the city on horseback, dressed as a Jedi, and he's got a lightsaber. And it's making people turn their heads. What is the meaning of this? And wonder what is going on. This man said he likes to ride around the streets, even though he knows it's dangerous. Yes, it is. Because it's a lot more exciting than riding just on some empty trail. Sure. And he rides bareback. Which That's means right. With no, saddle. no saddle. Yeah. And he said it's like, because he knows at any given moment, his if his horse gets spooked or whatever he get thrown off of the horse at 25 plus miles an hour it's like riding a motorcycle without a helmet he says mm-hmm. and he's I'm, I'm reading it like it's a boast of some sort mm-hmm. like i ride a motorcycle i wear a helmet yeah i'm not like oh yeah put a helmet on excited about the possibility of getting flung off my motorcycle yeah at any speed yeah 
But, you know, I'm sure that's a hilarious thing to see some guy, body galloping on a horse through the sh- mean streets of Portland <laughs> with a lightsaber. <laughs> There's a video of the dude riding his horse down the street, and he's got a lightsaber and everything. This guy's name is Joshua Dalman. He's 36, and I guess he's just getting a kick out of it. It's like, I mean, why else would you do this? You know, you're going to get attention. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's fun. Yeah, maybe he's on his I'm way. Sure it, I'm sure it's because it's fun. To, I'm sure he's having a great time. There's this like a galactic crisis that he's riding toward, or also, maybe he's you, just trying to get phone numbers. You never know. I don't know. You never know. If you see this dude pass you, give him the right of way, because maybe there's an emergency taking place somewhere that he needs to defend a Jedi Council on Genosha or something. He's delivering a message. I don't know. He's got to tell somebody about these exhaust pipes. Maybe. That's why he's on this horse. Maybe. It's like, I got, I, I got, I got the, a message. I, I got, got the deliver. key. I got, I got the a key. message. I got to deliver. <laughs> I like that. That's what, that was one of my favorite stories that came That's out. That's a fun week. one. All yeah. right. So staying with the old Star Wars conversation. Yeah. Um, those of you who have seen um, Star, uh, Rogue One, you know, or if you've seen the trailer, you know that Forrest Whitaker is in the movie. He plays a character called Saw Guerrera. Mm-hmm. Um, and... It turns out, spoilers for Rogue One, that Saw Gerrera is a character that is going to be showing up in the Star Wars Rebels cartoon. And Force Whitaker is going to be voicing that character as well. He's going to be voice acting along the, the same character that he played as in the movie. So Saw Gerrera, the character, has showed up in this, has shown up younger in, though, right? in this show, younger, mm-hmm. in Star Wars Rebels. Rebels has been running since 2014, and right. in an upcoming season, Forrest Whitaker will actually provide the voice of Saw Gerrera, which I think is phenomenal because if there's one thing I did not get enough of in Rogue One, it was Forrest Whitaker as Saw Gerrera. He was dope mm-hmm. and I wanted to see more of him. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea of Forrest Whitaker doing cartoon voiceovers. Yeah, yeah. That's good. I mean, if I ever have a chance, man. Voice, I know that's your thing. Voice acting is something I would love to do. Mm-hmm. Hey, anybody out there listening, if you got any connections, any guidance even, mm-hmm. any place you can even point your man, Octavius A. Newman, a.k.a. Chainsaw Guerrero. Yeah. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? Ooh. You know? Yeah. If you could give me just a word of advice. Better call Saw Guerrero. Hey. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Hook, hook me up. Let me know. That's, you know, that's, like, the, that's like the dream job. It would be so dope to be able to like see an animation or something like that and like, yeah, you, I'm playing this character or that character. That would be dope. I, I used to have a friend who did voices for a robot chicken. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if she's still doing that. Hook it up. Let me, let me see what I can do. Hook me up. I, let me see what I can do. You there, know? May, may, Point me in the right direction. Let there's me know. a will, there's a way. We might get you on Young Justice 3. Hey. Uh-huh. You know? Who would you play? Who would you provide the voice for? I have no idea. Vegeta. He's not I'm no, I in Young seen Justice. It. I don't know. What are you crossover. talking about? How a, are you could mixing? Could be a crossover. Dragon Ball Z <laughs> and a DC comic Young Justice. Wouldn't you like to see that though? No. Oh. It don't even go together. Uh, come on. Why not? Because it doesn't go together. Just saying. And then next thing you know, let's bring in the Ghostbusters. <laughs> hey, just be in now there. you got something. Well, we do have a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Batman crossover. That is true. That well, that's like anything is possible. Yeah, there's I mean Anything is possible. I don't think we need to do all that. On the subject of anything is possible, something Mm. that I did not think would ever happen, but here it is. 
Blade Runner is getting a sequel. Yes. Not just getting a sequel, but we have a trailer for it already. Mm -hmm. So, like, this thing is as real as it gets. Mm -hmm. Ryan Gosling, I guess. Is it a spoiler? Oh man, now I'm thinking. Well, if you've seen the trailer, we're talking I know, about but there's the another, trailer. There's another character in that that yeah. is a potentially a spoiler yeah. from the first one. Well, how about this? I can't let's, believe you got me doing this now. Let's do this. If you haven't seen Blade Runner, we're going to tell you something that has to do with Blade Runner. It's just a courtesy. Continue three, two, one. It's your fault. Go. Well, first of all, if you haven't seen Blade Runner, I need you to fix. I haven't Something. seen all of Blade Runner, mind you. It is there. Are I've like, seen the first part of Blade Runner, like just like maybe the first fifteen minutes, and I didn't finish watching. It is a very long movie. It's a very somber movie. I was like, "What am I looking at?" It is. Uh, uh, it, it what was it? Early eighties, nineteen eighty two. I think it is so good. I was just being born. It is so good. But uh, I I highly recommend you watch it. It's getting a sequel. This was one of those situations, just like Last of Us. Where I thought this should not happen, this should not. I get have a no sequel. opinion because I haven't finished it. So, but it is getting a sequel. It's called Blade Runner twenty forty nine. We have a trailer for it. Ryan Gosling, three, two, one. It's your fault. Harrison Ford is up in there. Rick Deckard. That's a big deal, mm-hmm. and it's gorgeous. I mean, like the trailer is beautiful. Now, who's directing the movie? My man, Villeneuve, the director of Sicario, mm-hmm. Prisoners. Mm-hmm. Enemy and Arrival. Mm. Prisoners was fantastic. Prisoners was hard. That was a difficult That was a sleeper. Film. That was a sleeper. Yeah, film. that was a sleeper. Nobody was talking about that movie. Yeah. You should watch that. Hey, guys, if you haven't seen Prisoners, you know, watch it. It's, t- it's intense. Yes, it's it is. It's a good movie. Hugh Jackman. Um, who's the other dude who was in? Um, he was just in that movie you saw. The movie I saw. Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh yeah, Nocturnal Animals. Nocturnal Animals. Yeah, we don't yeah. talk about that. All well, I haven't show. seen it. I've heard. I've heard. You know, some mixed reviews. The whackness. Either way, it, there, a lot of people don't agree with you. But who? It, pe- people don't agree with me. This yeah. is a new concept. Yeah, there are this people like. Concept. Believe it or not, there are people out there who don't agree with things and don't see things That's the same fine. way. You as see as them. long as people know that I'm a truth teller, as long as people understand right. what my mission is, right, then it's fine. Listen, it's completely you know, okay. Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. One thing I want to point out. 2049. That's an interesting distinction. It's not Blade Runner 2. Mm-hmm. It's Blade Runner 2049. Blade Runner in the year 2049, I take it? I, I suppose so. I guess. It's still be, dusty looking. 50 years from now, they could have hung out with Spider-Man 2099. <laughs> Maybe hey. they hang out and get some of the Marvel characters in the mix. Maybe. But the, the trailer looks really beautiful. The cinematography is gorgeous. And it's I, it's not something that I would think I wanted. But the director and just the way it looks so far, I'm optimistic. It's mm-hmm. shaping up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of trailers. Now, this is the trailer this week. John Wick 2049. That got me worked up. Oh, my God. John Wick Chapter 2. Yeah. Yo. Yeah. This thing looks great. Now, I'm just going to say this right now. I love John Wick, the first one. I'm excited about John Wick Chapter 2. This trailer, action-packed, the gunplay, like the fight scenes, it just looks, and even Keanu Reeves, just Keanu Reevesing it up. He's you know what I mean? Just yeah. like totally leaning into the Keanu Reevesness of the, you know, the. I know kung fu. Yeah, yeah. It, it is so self-aware. I'm going to kill 
all of them. It's so self-aware. John Wick 1 was so good. John yeah. Wick Chapter 2 looks so good. And keep in mind, the guy who's directing this is going to be doing Deadpool 2. That's what I was talking so like, about. Ooh. Not only was this trailer dope, but after seeing this trailer, I was like, Deadpool 2. Yeah. Deadpool 2 is going to be wild. Yeah. Because, I mean, I don't think I've seen another movie that has done gunplay. Like a martial art on screen. Like John Wick too. Like or, or not or like, like John, John Wick. Because yeah. I mean, he, like the way he does, I mean, you've seen guys who are like outside and they, like this is a whole thing. Like they shoot the guns, ping, 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 and then they reload and ping. You know what I'm talking about? Like yeah. they have, there's this, there's this, it's almost like a sport, like a, it's almost like a martial art the way they treat it. They time themselves and all that kind of stuff. I've seen this stuff on YouTube, but man. I cannot wait to see what these guys do. I don't know what this style of gunplay is, but it does look like it's it looks martial great. Art. It looks great. Have you ever seen the video of Keanu training to, no. for these movies? No. There's footage of him just training, like trying to do his uh, do his thing, learn how to be John Wick, mm -hmm. move the way that he's supposed to. He's doing his own stunts. Mm -hmm. He's rolling around, and he's a damn good shot. Yeah, I'm like Keanu Reeves is. Nothing to mess with. You gotta imagine he's been training for a while. Yeah, for he's, you to look, for you to move like that. He's and legit. that's what we talk about when I say I gotta see him move. Yeah. That's an example. Like yeah. when you see John Wick, you see Keanu Reeves in John Wick in John Wick Chapter Two's trailer. You're just like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I got this. This is the difference between you know somebody who's playing a character and they just have a costume on or it's somebody who's kind of like embodying the character and moving the way that like you buy it. You know what I'm saying? That, oh, that's absolutely. the thing. Keanu's selling it that this is a, this is a really dangerous guy. And this is the, another, a bad example of that is Michael Coulter's Luke Cage. That's, I don't, I yeah. don't buy it. Like, that's a good point. When he moves, I don't, when he hits something, I don't buy that he hit it with the force to create the damage that I see happen. Yeah. It just, his, his body movement doesn't sell it. Yeah. And Keanu's body movement sells everything. And I think that also has a lot to do with the camera work and then who's, you know, who's behind the camera. Love Luke Cage. No diss, you know, to Chio Hodori Cooker. I always mess up his name. Did I say it right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. No diss. Great, great TV show. But the way Keanu's moving, fantastic. Yeah. When you mention Luke Cage and the way he moves, it reminds me of this very particular thing. Maybe I'm just losing my mind, but it reminds me of the show Nickelodeon Guts. Mm -hmm. you remember the show Guts? Mm -hmm. When the kids would be tethered to like a bungee cord and they have a Nerf gun, they'd like jump around and yeah. shoot stuff. Yeah. The way that people move and get hit and fight just reminds me of the way those kids are kind of stilted. Yeah. They like jump in a weird way. You can't see the cables. You yeah. just know that they are there. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, Luke Cage doesn't really help because he's like the action figure where you pull the lever on his back and he puts his arms up and he just puts them down. Yes, yes, He's just yes, doing yes. that. You're like, yeah. it's just that one mechanical action. Yeah. It's strange. Yeah, which is different than... Da Daredevil. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? When Daredevil, hallway when Charlie scene. Cox is out there moving around, you're like, yo, he's hurting these people. But yeah. I think it has to do with who's, you know, who's behind the camera. Yeah, and again, no diss, because Luke Cage was great. I loved that that show. Yeah. It's just, the, the action is, I don't know, yeah. 
in comparison to other things. But that's the dope thing about this whole genre. You've got the things you love. You got the things that you don't like that much. You got the things that you kind of like, oh, that was fair. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it doesn't, it's not like you have to pick one or the other. Yeah. Now, here's something that I can't even really say that I have much, I know much about at all. Archie Comics. Yeah. Archie Comics, I checked them out. Here's my experience, my relationship with Archie Comics. Grocery store, in line, Mm -hmm. you see them near the candy and the gum, and you pick one up. I get a pack of gum. Should I get a Twix? Do I get a magazine? Slim Jim? Mm -hmm. Archie Comics. That's my relationship with them. Yeah. Don't even know. I know I've had them, but I don't remember them. So when, when I saw this Riverdale trailer, I was like, was Archie Comics a dark, like, murder mystery? I that have I, no idea. It opens up with someone, like, underwater? Was that yeah, Jughead? Like, like, what's going on? And now that I think of it, I believe it was last year, Archie did a crossover. Afterlife with Archie, I know about that, but I never... Afterlife with Archie, but Archie did a crossover with Predator. Yeah, Predator. about that. So, like, there is something interesting. But there, that's a crossover. That's not like the... Again... I'm speaking as a person who doesn't know 100%, but yeah. what I remember, that's not like the ethos, like yeah. vibe, feeling of Archie right. that I remember. But this this trailer that we have for the show that's coming to the CW in January kind of reminds me of Twin Peaks, the, the like real did you, creepy... Did you hear Twin Peaks is coming back? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yes, it is. Do you know I've never watched an episode of Twin Peaks in my life? Well... We have to sit down. You're going to hate it. Am I really? Yes. Are you sure? I believe so. People rave about it. I love it. But it's... It Am is I too a, old for it? Am no, I too... No, no. Why am I going to hate it? The, the dude who made it, David Lynch, mm-hmm. which, by the way, is from Philadelphia Pride. Like, mm-hmm. David Lynch did a lot He's of work. He, not from Philly, but he did a lot of work in Philly. He did a lot of stuff uh, in the Callow Hill area of the city, which is why some people call Callow Hill the Eraserhood, because one of his movies was called Eraserhead, mm-hmm. and Eraserhead took a lot of influence, a lot of style guide came from that area, which okay. was like abandoned industrial area. Mm-hmm. It was depressing, you know, huge warehouse building smokestacks that no one is even in there anymore. Broken yeah. glass and rusted metal. Twin Peaks and David Lynch are very peculiar. They're super polarizing. The people who love it, love it because there is nothing like it. However, except from what I understand, Atlanta. That's why, that's what I've heard recently. People compare, that's what, you know, Donald Glover himself said, this is like Twin Peaks meets the trap meets hip hop. You know what I mean? I don't know if he said those, quote, quote those words, but he said it's Twin Peaks meets, you know, and I've heard a lot of people compare Atlanta. Atlanta is a lot of people's best TV show of the year. And Atlanta best of list. Atlanta was fantastic. I agree. And Atlanta Invisible Cars all does have this thing going for it that surrealism every now and it's it's magical realism from time to time something totally normal is happening and then a strange character pops up and says something weird and or something mystical. just like the thing about Atlanta is you're just like huh is this reality yeah or justin bieber in that universe for example right and it's just like what is going 
the know. Nutella guy. You're just yeah, like, the Nutella guy. So is the, you're like, is this reality or not? Okay, now see, you when know? I think of the Nutella guy, I think there is clearly some influence from Twin Peaks because Twin Peaks has that sort of thing where you will look at that character and say, "Is wh- who is what is this?" But it will stick with you because that's the log lady. Why is she always carrying a log? She just is, man. That's just the log lady. I gotta watch Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks is wonderful, and it's also and really I'm not gonna interesting. Like it because of what? It's not your style. No? It is not your style. It is really stilted. the The acting is really weird and campy. The stories almost don't even matter. It's just the feeling of the whole thing. That's the same. That's literally the same thing I have heard people say about Atlanta. It's very interesting. We're like almost word for word. I would love to watch Twin Peaks with you just to get your take. You know what we gotta do. One day we will watch, we'll sit down and we will watch the first episode of Twin Peaks. So you're telling me I can't watch it until you watch it with me is what you're asking. No, that's fine. That's fine. You watch it because then we get together and we talk about it Mm -hmm. because it is an iconic piece of pop culture for a certain group of people. Okay. And it's like, you're, you're either on or you're not on. And I would love to know what you think. Because the first time I saw that, I was like, this is not good. Mm. This is not good, but it it kind of crept into me. It, I, I took some time away from it, and eventually somebody says, "Yeah, you got to finish Twin Peaks." And I came back to it. How many seasons? I love it? it. Two seasons and a movie, and a movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The movie was called Firewalk with Me, and it's nuts. The whole thing is nuts, but it's really good. Yeah, a lot of people whose opinions I trust. Feel feel highly about it. Twin Peaks is awesome. Okay. Yeah. So I'm excited for Twin Peaks to come back. How do we get this? Oh, Riverdale. Yeah. Archie. Yeah. This Archie TV show on the CW looks a little Twin Peaks-ish, which is very surprising to me because I thought it was all like twee high school drama, but apparently people up here get murdered. Getting murked. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll check it out at least. I'll give it a glance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A little bit of tech stuff. Mark Zuckerberg, Zucks out here, has taken... <laughs> he got no money for Kanye. However, he out here, he got money for Morgan Freeman. Yes, he does. So he said that 2016 was a year that he had a personal project to create an AI system for his home. Right? Okay. So he did the code, and he hooked up a bunch of stuff, and he created AI, and he wanted to make something like Jarvis from Iron Man. He named the thing Jarvis. And he named the thing Jarvis. Yeah. And I see this video on Facebook, and it's kind of like, first of all, Zuckerberg, not a good actor. He's got this uncomfortable <laughs> smile on, and this uncomfortable <laughs> eye, like this awkward smile, this awkward eye movement, like, yes. I'm delivering the lines now, I'm going to turn away creepily and look away. It's just like, like I'm, he's like I'm, he's like a live mannequin. You know, like how mannequins like come alive and they slowly turn their head and they have the creepy face or like the the puppet or the doll. Yes. You know what I'm saying? You're like, oh my gosh, this is weird. Let me tell you what Mark Zuckerberg is. He is what every white person fears they look like. <laughs> oh my god! Because I'm like, that looks uncool. You look uncool. You look like a billionaire. You look uncomfortable. You look like a billionaire. <laughs> oh my God. Is that what I look like? Do you look like a billionaire? <laughs> yeah, no, you no, do not. No. You do not look like a billionaire. No, no. But... Funniest part about this whole thing, of course, if you make an AI, you got to have a voice. Now, he gets the voice that, you know, when you hear who the voice is, you're like, of course, this is the voice of your AI. Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. 
Of course. Yeah. If you're a billionaire and you can pick anybody to do the voice of your AI, why wouldn't it be Morgan Freeman? Yeah. That guy's voice is iconic. So do we know, did he do it? a joke or not? Did he do it? Yeah, he did it. Like, and that's what I want to know. Is this a joke? Now, see, that's the thing. Now, I read this yesterday. I watched the videos yesterday. And the whole time I'm like, is this a joke? Mm -hmm. It's on Facebook. We just did the whole Facebook fake news thing. Mm -hmm. But then on Zuckerberg's page, he has this Fast Company article. Mm -hmm. And it's like reported in the news. So I'm like, and I'm still kind of like, yeah, is this a joke? You know what I mean? Like, I'm still waiting for like the other shoe to drop. Or is this a new product? Yeah. Are they going to be releasing this? Is this really for the t- the gray t-shirt cannon in your house? Yeah. You know, in the toaster? <laughs> like, you got Morgan Freeman. Like, is this just an excessive spending? Like, you got Morgan Freeman to voice the AI in your house, in your house alone, for the AI you developed for your gray t-shirt cannon and your toaster to make toast. I mean, the whole thing looks like a Saturday Night Live sketch. It does. Yeah. And that's the thing. So I'm still kind of like, I'm waiting for this to know. be like, psych, but here's the product. Yeah, I don't you know. know. I don't know. But it's a thing, apparently. It it's a thing, apparently. And w- regardless of if it's a real thing, Morgan Freeman getting in on that is very funny to me. Yes. And perfect. From what I hear, Robert Downey Jr. said he would do it as long as... I think Paul Bettany the voice had to get paid for it. And then the rest of the money got donated to something. Complicated. It's, it's a lot of stuff that's just like, is this a what joke? What's happening here? You know, is this an episode of Atlanta? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Is this on BAN? I, I'm like, yeah. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. They would not put Mark Zuckerberg on BAN, by the way. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, we got a photo from Justice League. The movie coming out. And the reason that I want to bring this up is because I don't care what's going on in this photo. But what I know is I see Batman, Mm -hmm. Wonder Woman, Mm -hmm. and The Flash Mm -hmm. standing next to one another. Mm -hmm. And I am so excited for this flick. Are you? I am very excited for this movie. Really? Based on the trailer that we've seen, or that teaser, let's say, Uh and the comedy that was in this. Yeah. And the fact that now we get to see... I mean, like the Flash in his red suit, Ezra Miller in the outfit, and Batman is the only one who looks like really dour and grim in his black suit. And Wonder Woman in the shining, like tiara in her outfit. Mm-hmm. There's color in this, and I think that's intentional. It just seems like more levity. Mm-hmm. It makes me optimistic for the final product. Yeah. Otherwise, they'd show us. The Flash crying and it's raining and you know that sort of thing. That's what I expect. But the Flash, I'm lost there. a race. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's or it's like his like leg his hands, is like, his leg is brutally broken. Ah, yeah. no, no. It, it makes me really excited because I think it's intentional that they're showing us. Look, Batman is the grim one. We're gonna we're gonna well, joke not, on him. Not even that. Like they all have the the chest out pose, looking out and looking up and at the diagonal in a way. It's a very heroic looking off, either looking at the opposition like we're gonna conquer this type thing. Yeah. So And then you got Jason Momoa who's just drinking and drinking wet. just wet all the time. <laughs> Spring just <water>. stay wet. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> this boy is just drenched at all times. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, yeah. And stay with some eyeshadow on at all <laughs> yeah. times. Always. Yeah. It looks good. We were talking to before the show. I never thought there would be a time mm-hmm. when Aquaman would be the person who makes people turn their heads. Look, Aquaman is out here making folks swoon. Yeah. There's a video Aquaman. Of, of Aquaman. There's a gif of him wa- around, walking out of the water because Jason Momoa did this thing with Carhartt, I think. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a couple of scenes from, uh, you know, I don't know if it's either Justice League or Aquaman, one of the two, where he's walking in the water. And I see ladies all over the timeline, like losing it. Lord Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> what have you made? Oh my Atlantis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. If if Zuckerberg is what I don't want to look like, Aquaman Momoa is what you want to <laughs> look like. I'm like, that's what I looked like, right? Where do when I, I get the eyeshadow at? When I when I got out of the, the pool just now, that's what I like, looked like, right? Right. You but got I, a you got a picture of that? No. But it would be interesting to see if we talked about this, if Jason Momoa's role as Aquaman affects Aquaman the same way or close to the way that Heath Ledger's role as the yes. Joker affected the Joker. Part of this, I think, is going to be the success of the movie, whether or not right. if, if if Justice League is a movie that people like, then absolutely. Yes. Jason Momoa has forever changed the aesthetic of Aquaman because he doesn't have a lot to fight with. No. You know what I mean? Like the Joker, you've got a lot to contend with because like all of like a large majority of popular culture know the Joker, know what he looks like, know what he sounds like. It's been around a long time. He's got a lot, a lot, a lot of like content out there. Whereas when you think Aquaman, I think a lot of people are gonna go, Oh, the guy who talks to fish? And that's it. With the with the with the orange scaly sh- shirt on yeah. and the green pants. Oh, okay. But when you see Jason Momoa as Aquaman, you're like, oh, Cal Drogo is a part of the Justice League now? Mm-hmm. Why do I know that Cal Drogo... And you haven't even watched Game pop of culture. That's something I have to finish. Yeah. Because isn't this the last season? I think I've asked you that before. That's what I keep hearing. And you know how this is going to be. Mm-hmm. It'll be the last season for you know this continuity, for this story. Mm-hmm. You know HBO will go back and tell a different set of stories. And then Issa Rae will be in it with Lawrence. They're going to be The House of Lawrence and the House of House of The House of Lawrence. The House of Lawrence. And the House of Issa. The House of that Best Buy chick. No, not the Best Buy chick. Chase. House of Chase. Chase Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. She just visited him at Best Mm -hmm. Buy. That was it. Mm -hmm. House Lawrence. You need to be starting. You need to have your own app. Oh, my God. You know what, girl? You Talking with him in the cafeteria at the mall. You right. Dang. Yeah, I'm here for that. I'm here for House Lords. I'll watch that. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. If they could get an HBO show where it was like Game of Thrones and Every Kingdom was one of the HBO shows. Mm. You like go up to visit John Oliver over in this kingdom. You got Issa Rae in her kingdom. Oh, John Oliver. I know who that yeah, is. Yeah. Uh, l- last week tonight. Mm-hmm. You, you've got <laughs> Entourage. You're like, please don't mess with me, Entourage. You got The Rock <laughs> over there with Ballers. Yeah, ballers Kingdom. This is it. I don't this know. is this is like, I don't know enough about Game of Thrones to get this, but I do know one thing about HBO. I am excited about Young Pope. Oh, okay, Young Pope. That's coming out in 2017. Yeah, that looks creepy. It awesome. Looks strange. Looks strange. different. I'm in though. Yeah, I'm in. I'll check it out. Yeah, I will check it out. All right, last story. Talk to me about Tilda Swinton and Margaret Cho. Okay, the first thing I'm going to give is the timeline. And then the second thing I'm going to give 
is my reaction. And the first part of the timeline is Adam and I talked about this for an hour plus before that, we hit record. <laughs> that is part of the timeline. <laughs> That's the first part of the timeline. <laughs> that was the Rogue One to what I'm about to yes! give you, which is yes! the Star Wars trilogy. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So the timeline goes like this, and I am sure if you have been on the internet in the last week, you have seen a flash of this, if, if, if nothing else, if nothing more in depth. But the timeline goes like this. Margaret Cho was on a radio show, and she says on the radio show that Tilda Swinton hit her up and asked some questions Mm -hmm. based on the outrage that Tilda Swinton was receiving for taking the role of the Ancient One in Doctor Strange, Mm -hmm. something that you and I have talked about a lot, the Doctor Strange stuff. Right. So many people have belabored that. Yes. So Margaret Cho says that that conversation didn't make her feel... Great. Now, how did she reach? How did she say that Tilda Swinton reached out to her? Uh, so that's a part of the reason. This, this is why I have to tell this story in pieces. Okay, go ahead. Because the or, the original part was when Margaret Cho says this on the radio. She just said that she talked with Tilda Swinton. Mm-hmm. No details about what that communication was. Yeah, and like how 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 they spoke to one another. Mm-hmm. Just that they talked. That Tilda Swinton reached out. Yes. So Cho says it made her feel not great at the end of the conversation, that it made her feel like a, quote, house Asian, like a servant made her feel like like Swinton didn't understand what the problem was and why people were outraged. And in the timeline, a lot of people got very upset at Tilda Swinton based on what Margaret Cho was saying. Tilda Swinton responds to this story and says, hey, we communicated over email. Mm -hmm. Here are all of the emails Hmm. between Margaret Cho and myself. Yeah. So now all of those emails, every single one, are online. I'm looking at Jezebel.com, and you can read all of those emails, and they seem pretty civil and reasonable and not quite like Margaret Cho described them to be on the radio show. Mm-hmm. Now what happens next is everybody goes crazy on the internet. Mm-hmm. And what happens inside of that is every blog has an op-ed about how they feel about this entire situation. And then what happens after that is before Octavius and I sit down on these microphones, I say, I have no idea how to deal with this situation. Right. Because I don't understand who said what or how I'm supposed to feel, or who's at fault, or who is correct. I don't know what's going on. What I do know is, as a white person, I think I'm supposed to feel guilty about something. Tell me more about that. So, one of the things that came up for me is, I'm following this story, like most people online, and they see the first part, which is Margaret Cho says things about Swinton. Mm -hmm. And my first response is, damn... I can't believe Swinton is like that. I knew she was like that. Taking this role, being the ancient one. This mm-hmm. is messed up. This mm-hmm. is this is an L for white people. This mm-hmm. looks bad. Okay. And then the second part was the emails come out. And I'm like, damn, I can't believe Margaret Cho lied about what it was, about how this went down. Why would she act this way and say these things about somebody who was reaching out for clarity, for understanding? And then the third thing is I see... This this piece on the Huffington Post, which is titled, Tilda Swinton's email to Margaret Cho is textbook white feminism. 
Swinton used feminism to downplay concerns about race. And it's written by an Asian woman. Mm -hmm. And I trust the Huffington Post. I like reading Huffington Post. And I think... Uh, I think Margaret Cho lied, but also I I think white people shouldn't ask Asian people for their thoughts on Asian people. I don't know Why? where, I don't know who I'm, I don't know what happened. I don't know anything. Mm -hmm. So basically the, the, this whole story is compressed into a lot of confusion on my part. And what I'm supposed to think and what I'm supposed to feel. And that is how you and I, Octavius A. Newman, entered into a conversation about this thing. Yeah. Yes. Which was long, and I don't even remember all of the things that we said. Yeah. And so it, I think what it boiled down to mm -hmm. is this piece on Huffington Post got me, a white dude, feeling like I don't know how white people are supposed to understand minority groups if they're not allowed to reach out to the minority a representative of the minority group and ask questions mm -hmm. because according to this huffington post article that was not a good thing for tilda swinton to do did you read the huffington post article all the way through all the way whole thing so what was the gist of what the woman was saying in the huffington post article the gist of it is uh, the the woman who wrote it? I didn't. I'm asking because I didn't read it. Internet. The the woman who wrote it. Her name is Jessica. I'll say Pra Pwa or mm -hmm. Proy. Mm -hmm. uh, and the gist is, Jessica says Tilda Swinton writing to Margaret Cho and asking, "Hey, what's the deal with people being upset about me doing taking this role? You're an Asian person. Can you give me answers?" Is an imposition placing a burden on Margaret Cho. Why is it placing a burden on anybody? Because Tilda, so the, what the piece says is mm -hmm. because Tilda Swinton, white person, is asking a, a an Asian person to explain racism, whitewashing, what the problem is. So what the, what the thing is is in this piece is you you can't place that burden on someone in a minority group. And expect to get answers. I don't... It, again, like, dude, even as I'm saying these things out loud, what IDK. IDK. Well, I got some thoughts. So, here's some of the stuff that I'm thinking. One of the, th one of the things that stands out, jumps out, screams at me is when you said... Y what, what was it again? You put the pressure on... You put pressure or you made or you forced or some sort of language like that. What was you, that? that uh, you place a burden, burden on the person. Okay. Who says who? This person who wrote the Huffington yeah, Post. Yeah, that's piece. your opinion, but that's not a fact. When you say you're, I want to be clear for not, listeners. Not Adam. I'm saying, so, so here's what I'm saying. And here's what I'm hearing. And here's what I'm wrestling with. And this happens, this happens a lot. I hear a lot of time. I hear white people say oh well someone from this minority group whether it be this underrepresented group this underprivileged group said x y and z they're black people they're people of color they're lgbtq they are women they are transgender whatever the case may be right they say well you did this to me yeah and it's just fact it's just unquestioned, 
No, no seeking more information, no dialogue. Now, this doesn't happen all the time, but this is something I see happen. And it's like, because I am a part of this minority group, it is fact. Because I say so, the end. Yeah. I'm the authority. And it's like, is that how that works? Is that, is that how it works? Like, do I just have to, like, shut up every time someone who's from a, a, a community group that I'm more privileged than? Do I just, like, put my head down, put my tail between my legs, hunch my shoulders, stick my head down like a turtle and go, okay, I'm sorry. And that's, is, is that how it works? And that's where part of the, the confusion, the initial confusion before you and I even hashed this out, mm-hmm. came from because my perspective, at, white person was to say, yes, that is how this works. And I say, heck no. That's right. not how it works. Yeah, which, and, and I should state, I've come to a different conclusion through conversation, through dialogue, mm-hmm. but my initial response was, yes, the thing that I do, my responsibility is to be quiet and to listen. Now, maybe your responsibility is, maybe you should be quiet and listen, yeah. because that's a wise, loving, gracious, merciful, kind thing to do. Mm. But it's not, you're white, shut up. Mm-hmm. It that does, doesn't work like that Because you know what also doesn't work You're black, shut up You're a woman, shut up You're a man, shut up Like, like you, it, you, you can't just like slap people with rules Because of their gender mm-hmm. Because of their ethnicity Because of their cultural ba- It doesn't work like that mm-hmm. I'm not right The same way you're not white just You're not just right just because you're white. Mm -hmm. I'm not right just because I'm black. So you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. My blackness doesn't automatically make me right on certain topics just because I'm black. Maybe there's a level of insight Mm. and wisdom and perspective that I have on this topic that you don't. So it'd be wise Mm -hmm. and behoove you to consider what I'm saying. Mm Mm-hmm. Way different than shut up, white boy. Like that's way different. Like we can't, we can't do that. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like because white boy, shut up, white boy. If you were to say shut up, blackie, like what? Like yeah. you can't do that. Yes. Like just because you're white, you have to shut up and you're wrong. Like no, it. There's way more going on here, and I struggle with this concept of you shouldn't. If I'm trying to understand the perspective of people from a particular people group that I'm not a part of, I don't live around, I don't have relationship with, but there's this perspective, there's this particular angle that I keep hearing that I don't necessarily see it for, but I'm interested in understanding more. Now there's this whole conversation of, well, you shouldn't go ask somebody from that community group just because they're from that community group. That's racist. And it's like, I'm sorry, Internet. That doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. That That's that's ridiculous. Like, mm-hmm. if I want to understand what black people have to say, who, who am I trying to understand? Yeah. Black people. Right. Should I sit in a room full of white people? And talk about what black people think? Probably not. Yeah, so... Probably not the move. So I should probably get people from the community group that I want to understand and 
ask them what they think. So this HuffPo piece, and, and I'm I'm with you. Yeah. And, and and I think that's frankly, I think that's a tactic that I have been better at because of you, because of this show, because of the conversations that we have, mm-hmm. because I think like a lot of people that I know, real people that I know, those people fear that direct engagement mm-hmm. as if it's some uh, imposition as if it's something that you can't do but when it when you boil it down like what what else is what how, how else because do you the escape sa- your echo chamber because in the same breath what's going to happen is somebody's going to say oh so y'all not even going to ask us mm-hmm. oh so you're not even going to talk to us huh so it's like well what are you supposed to do yeah. you're not supposed to just assume you understand and you're a racist and you're a bigot and you're a homophobe and you're a whatever name you want to call them, blah, blah, blah. You don't, you don't even care about our community. So, and so, and so, well, would you mind explaining it to me? Oh, you just going to ask, you're going to put that burden on me. It's Mm -hmm. like, wait, wait, hold up. Like there's a responsibility on both sides here. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, I understand, like, if you really want to have a, a level of understanding, I think both parties have to come to the table with a willingness to have a discussion, to have some dialogue. And if you're not willing, say you're not willing, but don't flip it and twist it and go, you're putting this burden on me. You feel burdened. Own that. You feel burdened. I didn't put a burden on you. You feel burdened. If I walk up to you and say, hey, having a hard time understanding this, you do represent this community group, would you mind explaining it to me? You know what you have? The choice to say, you know what? I really don't feel comfortable having that conversation. Yeah. You know what I mean? But here's some resources that you can check out or you don't have to say, here's some resources. You really don't have to do anything. But what you can't do is go, this person made me explain to them because that's, that may or may not be true. And the only time you should say something like that is if it's true, but you don't just conjure up a story and just conjure up intentionality and just extrapolate, you know, and he only asked me because I'm black and I'm supposed to represent all of the black community. Maybe that was that person's intention. Yeah. Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. Yeah. And all I'm asking for is the humility to say, maybe, possibly, but own your feelings. You see what I'm saying? The, it doesn't I, mean your feelings are wrong. It doesn't mean they're right either. I'm just saying there's way more nuance involved in this than just jumping to name calling. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, and when you call somebody a racist, a bigot, a homophobe, uh, a sexist, a chauvinist, those are serious words and they are appropriate. Mm-hmm. At times, they're mm-hmm. the right word to use. And there are other times when they are not appropriate mm-hmm. and they're not the right word to use. Mm-hmm. And they can become binding. They can be, and they can put people in bondage who shouldn't be in bondage. You know what I'm saying? And it can paralyze people who mean well. Sometimes it can be the right punch to knock the person out that needs to be knocked out too. So there's both sides. All I'm saying is use these words appropriately you know what i'm saying words have meanings and you can't just ignore that you can't just fly off the handle shoot from the hip and say things without putting the appropriate thought into what it is actually expressing what it's conveying yeah i think i know 
a lot of the complexity in this story comes from the fact that I am dismayed that Tilda Swinton is the ancient one. Mm -hmm. We've talked at length about this and it bums me out. Mm -hmm. I just don't think it's the right move. I think Marvel did a bad thing with that. I don't that. think it's the right move either. And I think the comment, I know we've had some comments, few comments from Tilda Swinton along the way. And mm -hmm. they were just like, that's not the look. This, th mm -hmm. That's really not I the agree. look. Yep. So in this scenario, it's, it's a funny thing to suddenly be like, yeah, I'm with Tilda Swinton, but also like Tilda, nah. Because mm -hmm. whitewashing is not, no. I think it's because people want to categorize people because that's easier. Bingo. So that's what I'm getting to, which mm -hmm. is the difficulty most people are having in this conversation and following this story is they want people to be just one thing. Right. You are wrong and only wrong mm -hmm. if you did this. Mm -hmm. And irredeemable. And in every situation, you will always be wrong. And that's just not the case. And the reality is there's so much more nuance in every scenario, yeah. in this one in particular, because it is seriously, genuinely strange that Margaret Cho decided to share with a, a group of people, the whole world, that she felt one way and made a conversation sound really ill, it like spoke very ill of Tilda Swinton. Mm -hmm. And then to see the emails and to be like, I don't know. I mean, I would have gone about this the same way. I think it's respectful. In fact, I read the Tilda emails Swinton's, and I'm like, seems like somebody who's trying to understand me. Yo, I'm, this is like, I'm going to, I'm going to quote Swinton's first email and I'm just going to use a, a, just a blip of profanity here. But I think this is an important part where at the end of that first email... Read the whole email. Read all right, the here's, email. The, here's the first email from Tilda Swinton. This is out of the blue, by the way. And Tilda Swinton doesn't know Margaret Cho. And mm -hmm. she starts, Dear Margaret, we've never met, but you've been in my head for years. I'm a fan. I want to ask you a favor now, which has sprung out of a truly important social conversation, but may be heading for some crazy-making shit. The diversity debate, all strength to it has come knocking at the door of Marvel's new movie, Doctor Strange. I am told that you are aware of this, but since I am that extinct beast that does no social media, I am unaware of what exactly anybody has said about any of it. I believe there are some ironies about this particular film being a target, but I'm frankly much more interested in listening than saying anything much. I would really love to hear your thoughts and have a private conversation about it. Are you up for this? Can we email? No wrong answer here. Tell me to fuck off if you feel like it. In any and any and every case, much love to you, Tilda. Now the response from Margaret Cho, which I won't read because they're they're lengthy and the, the long conversation comes between them, is super accepting. She receives it really warmly. And she says, oh, dang, I'm a big fan of you. Um, give me some context. What do you know so far about this scenario? Here's uh, a tidbit about why people would be upset about this. Here's some background on that character mm -hmm. and why, why people specifically mm -hmm. would be upset about this. Mm -hmm. Also, the timing is bad. Mm -hmm. And in the end of her email, Margaret says, anyway, I hope this helps. We can totally email and we can be private. Best M. So now it's a lot happening. Here's what I have to say about that. There's a certain point here where you got to call a spade a spade. Did I or did not did I or did I not ask you to have a private conversation? Yeah. Yes or no? 
Did you or did you not agree to have a private conversation? Did. Yes or no? Yeah. Are you on the freaking radio talking about the private conversation that we agreed to have? Yes or no? Who's wrong here? Yeah. You. You are wrong. You did not keep your word. This is nobody's business, but you and I, I reached out to you with respect. I asked you a direct question. I told you you had the opportunity to tell me to literally F off or not. And you say, oh, yeah, I'm open. Yeah. Let's do it. Bottom line, sis, you didn't do what you said you was going to do. That's something I can hold you to. Yeah. That, that's the conversation for me. That's that's conversation number one. Mm -hmm. You are shady. You're messy. You you out here sharing our our personal business with the world. Mm -hmm. That's the conversation. First conversation. Not that these other conversations are important, but that that this is what I'm talking about. Like with you, with you, one hundred. Like we can't, we can't, we can't like. We can't miss all of the things that are going on here. And then to flip it and spin it and go, oh, this is putting pressure on her to represent all of this community. I'm like, nah, son. So let me give I you the, with it. Like, let me the quote. Let me yeah. give you the quote in Huffington Post that made me think, I, I, I honestly don't know what to do. I'm scratching okay. my head now. Okay. Here's the line from the Huffington Post piece. What's more, the very nature of Swinton's original request to keep the email exchange private was an example of misguided white feminism. Swinton, a white woman, essentially asked for a private tutoring session on race from a woman of color. That is totally your opinion and perspective. It is your response. That upsets me. Like, that is not Okay, you can have your opinion from across the planet, whatever you want to do. But all I know is there are two grown people who are having a conversation. Who are you even? Why do you even know about this conversation? You wouldn't even know what's going on between these two grown folks had she not shared this private information. Yes. And what did she say? She's grown. She is a comedian. She's not like this helpless, you know, victimized, like, oh, and they just, like, d d like, threatened me. A grown person asked another grown person something, and they agreed to it. So, you know what that's like? That's like Adam Tedderus going, hey, you got a piece of gum? And I'm just like, yeah, you can have a piece of gum. Adam, because of his white privilege and as being a white person, he came and imposed his whiteness on me and made, and made me feel like I was a Negro in the cotton fields and I had to give him a piece of gum. Because, and it, I was, it's like, what? Where did yeah. you get that from? He said, can I have this? And you said, yes. Come on, y'all. Like, come on with the hot takes. You know what I'm saying? Like, th yeah. th that's not okay. Like, that's not okay to twist that and flip that and spin that. Now, in the same way, I'm going to let Tilda Swinton have it and go, hey, don't think that was the move for you to take that 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 part. Yeah. You know what I mean? Scar Scarlett Johansson. No. Matt Damon. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Nah. I'm, I'm going to let y'all have it. Mm -hmm. But in the same way, if somebody come at you sideways, I'm going to be like, hey, that you didn't keep your word. Mm -hmm. We're not going to go out here and start like beating up on white people. Like just, we can just do whatever we want, say whatever we want. You're slandering people like this. We, th that's not the way. And the reason why this upsets me is because that's not the way this conversation is going to get where we want to go. I'm going to uh, just like a, a kind of an aside, but similar mm. Kanye West is talking to Donald Trump. 
Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. And how, how could he talk to Charlemagne the God is talking to Tommy Lauren, Tommy Lauren, Tommy Lauren, Lauren, whatever. Yeah. Okay. To, you know, Trevor Noah had Tommy Lauren on her show, his yeah. show. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't, I just don't understand what the expectation is here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is it like we're on our side of the street drinking from the colored fountain and they're on their side of the street drinking from the white fountain, the, what, you know, the Republican fountain, the, what straight, I don't know, but what's like, I don't, I just don't understand here. Do we want to be able to come to a point where we understand each other and we're hearing each other's sides or do we just want everybody to agree with us because the thing that Adam and I were talking about is this stuff is hard. Yeah. It's nuanced and you want it to be easier than it is, but it's not like that. Not like that. There, there are no broad brushstrokes. There's no, there, there are probably no two situations that are going to play out the same way because they, they have different people involved. Do you know why Kanye West went to go see Donald Trump? Do you know what they talked about? No, I I have to say, I'm not talking about you, but I'm just saying like, do you know what Charlemagne and Tommy were talking about? I have to say on the, on the Trump thing, there's, there's a story there that I think is genuinely concerning, which is Mm -hmm. the, uh, the way that the media uses that to focus on when the reality is, is we should be having a conversation about the fact that Russians actually helped influence Donald Trump become the president, Mm -hmm. like hacked the democracy of the United States of America. And someone needs to answer for that. But hey, follow the bouncing ball. Media wants to talk about Kanye at Trump Tower. So that's that's like that's why I want to talk about that story. Because that is distraction technique 101. But the point look at the shiny thing. Yeah. But my but my point being my point being again like that's way more nuanced, but you want to make, and I understand it's concerning. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying that the emotion is not real. You and can't, I'm not, it's just that you can't do it. There's not a broad brushstroke. You, you can't, can't just jump to this conclusion it. and go. Now, Kanye West said some things on the stage, dropped the mic and walked off. Which okay. I can talk about that because yeah. he said it. I heard it. I can mm-hmm. hold him accountable to that. But this person was with this person. So that means, no. Well, yeah. you know, this person said this to that person. So what they probably were doing was like, no, you can't. It, it, there's way more going on yeah. than, you know, making it that simple. At the, at the end of the day, uh, Octavius and I wrote this down. I wrote this down because Octavius and I talked about this. And I think this is significant for modern media literacy. This is important. When it comes to the information that you discover on the internet, there's a bunch of different sides. There are a lot of different facets. Yeah. Think about this thing like uh, a a four-sided die or like, you know, you have intention, perception, you have interpretation, right? Interpretation. You have media and the broadcast of it. And then you have hot take, right? Right. So because we are living in an internet age, because we can talk to one another and my tweet could get embedded in a news site, my Facebook status can be a part of the narrative. Mm -hmm. My hot take is now contributing to someone else's hot take and so on and so on down the line. So 
I'm a part of the story now. Right. And the general consensus, everybody's mad at Tilda now? Okay. Everybody's mad are we, at Are we mad Joe? at Tilda? Are we supposed no? to be, are we supposed okay. to be mad at, at, at are, are we mad at oh, Margaret? Yeah. And what I'm saying is, hold on, slow down. I know it's hard. Yeah. I know this is not with the current, but I would encourage you to go, okay, tell me more. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that Adam and I were talking about. Adam's like, look, someone walks up to me and they say, you're X, Y, and Z. What am I supposed to say? And I said, I would encourage you to say, okay, tell me more. Mm-hmm. You don't jump right to, you're right, I'm wrong. You don't know that. You don't jump to, I'm right, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, let me hear you out. Like, go ahead, like explain. Yeah. You know, tell me what's going on. So, in, and that's what we're talking about. There's Tilda's side. There's... Margaret's interpretation of Tilda. Mm-hmm. There's the story that Margaret told, story that Margaret and Tilda communicated to the media, mm-hmm. and how they presented that story. And then there's how we receive it and the commentary we make on that and feed it back into the. And system. there's so much nuance in that. They, they just think about the time that you spoke to your significant other, the time that you spoke to your sibling, the time that you spoke to your parents, your teacher, your boss, your coworker. You said that thing and you meant the one thing. They heard that thing and they interpreted it another now thing. Now you got to go down the chain and I got to understand what you think I said and I need to understand what you told somebody you think I said. And, and then someone else is coming back to you. You said such and such to so-and-so. And now this is on a global level. Yeah. And this is not, this is one instance and it applies to comic book Junto because it's about Doctor Strange. But this is every piece of media. This is, This is media literacy now and it's hard. And the additional part from, from my side is this conversation, which, which I gleaned, uh, uh, this, which I think is a powerful lesson for white people, which is there are too many times where we approach something. If you're trying to be woke, there are too many times times where we approach something. And instead of being introspective and interrogating a situation and asking why and learning more, we're just trying to get out and be able to say, at least you can't call me a bigot. Mm-hmm. At least, at least you can't call me racist. Mm-hmm. I have no questions on the matter, even though I don't understand what just happened. Mm-hmm. I just don't want you to be able to call me racist. And that's real. Like, that is a real feeling. That is a survival technique. And that is something that I've been observing and confused about. And yeah. I've been asking Adam, what is that? Why do you keep responding like that? Tell me what you think. Well, I think that you're probably right. I didn't ask you what probably, what do you think? Mm-hmm. And it's almost like Adam is like, wait, can I, am I allowed to say something? I'm like, I just asked you what you think. And yeah. it's like, he's like, and it's for a while now, I've been like, why are white people so doggone paralyzed and so uncomfortable? And why do they run away from these conversations? And it's kind of like, Oh, this is one of the first times you have had to consider and contort yourself to another culture Mm -hmm. and submit yourself to the cultural norms of another culture. Whereas I and other people of underrepresented, you know, minority groups, we've grown up like that. Black folks, you know what I'm talking about? Now, here go your mom. Now, look here, boy. Now, you go in there. You make sure you tuck your shirt in and you pull your pants up because you know how them white people be. (laughs) And don't, mom, I ain't trying to, shut, boy, if you don't shut up and listen to what I'm telling you, you go in there and put your pants sagging down if you want to. I bet you ain't going to get that job. 
Now, mom, this is how I wear my clothes. I ain't asked you how you wear your clothes, boy. Do you want the job or not? Now, you know these white folks don't play. You go... Y'all know what I'm talking about. This yeah. is how we grew up. We grew up saying, hey, this is what you've got to do to survive. Mm -hmm. This is what you got to do to get by. But truth be told, majority culture, whether it be white people or whether it be men or whether it be straight people or whether it be Christians, or whatever, whatever it may be, you're not used to having to do that. You're used to just moving and just mm -hmm. doing. But now you feel this social pressure to don't be a racist don't be a bigot. Don't be a homophobe. Don't be transphobic. So it's all about not being these things. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily about understanding these people and loving these people mm -hmm. and respecting and valuing these people. It's about not being this title. It's, it's fear of ego being damaged. Mm -hmm. It's fear that... I will be perceived as something that I am trying to broadcast as not being a part of. Yeah. It's the fear that my, my, uh, my, my reputation mm -hmm. will be That's perceived by it. someone yeah. in a way that I don't want. That's it. Yeah. So rather than trying to do the work and maybe putting myself in harm's way, in, let me just back um, in, let me in, just so, in, a, in a social, in, in social harm's way, you know what's safer? Let me just agree and get out of here. Yeah. You know? And that's, it's a really interesting thing because even with, even with this conversation, even boiling it down to that and looking at it and saying, yeah, you know what? That, that is what it is. That's the skeleton of it. Still going to be hard. Oh yeah. Still going to be hard. Be, being aware doesn't make being woke easy. No. Huh? Come on. That's a t-shirt right there. <laughs> Somebody ought to design that and, yeah. and make a lot of money off of it. I don't know if it should be comic me. book junto. Yeah, yeah. I don't even remember what I just said because I went into the voice and I got so worked up, <laughs> I forgot it. Good thing we're recording this. Some, some aware, some, some woke. We'll fix it in post. Yeah, even I don't remember. It's, but uh, it felt good. There are a lot of lessons to pull out of this, of this engagement. And at the end of the day, I think this story is not even about what Tilda Swinton said to Margaret Cho or what, and what Margaret, Margaret Cho said, said yeah. about that situation. The story is about how we've all crafted it into this campaign to fight for and to stand by and to say this, this, my hot take represents everything I think about XYZ culture. And it, that was a very difficult realization to arrive at and it will continue being difficult, but that's, uh, that's what we've said before. We'll say it again. It, mm -hmm. Being woke is hard. Show enough. Yeah, and that's 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 the struggle. Being woke is hard, part two. Being woke is hard, twenty forty nine. Right <laughs> there, it is. Oh man! So that's what we have to say about that that little uh, kerfuffle mm -hmm. on the internet. And I hope listening to this right now, listener. I hope hearing us talk about this helps you bypass some of the like the loops, the circles that Octavius and I had to talk through in order to get to a point where we where we were getting crispy with it. Or it inspires you to get to get in there and start going through the loops. Yeah. Because yeah. this ain't over. To jump inside of sure. Yeah, because it's easier to stand on the outside. And that's one of the things let me speak directly. You know what you're right, because there are no shortcuts. And this ain't over. Let me let me let me let me speak directly. Oh, this ain't over. Oh, oh Oh, we know where Rogue One stands, okay, in the order, all right? Don't even get me started. Oh, wow. Okay. You know what, though? 
you are black, so I'm I'm gonna let exactly you, you're right about that. That's you right, are correct. That's right. And I just I'm, I'm gonna put my head down. I'm gonna leave. That's right. I'm sorry for everything my people did. Lando Carvizio. <laughs> All right. Um, but here's one thing that I want to say. I want to encourage white people to speak in love and in truth and have courage. Engage people from different communities, different cultures, different backgrounds. Engage them in love, in patience, but please don't run. Don't just run. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to take courage. You might not come out on the other side as, you know, it might not be easy, but I want to encourage you to actually engage in conversation. So here's what I would like you to do. If you have, if you have relationships with people, ask them if you've offended them. Ask them if you crossed them. Hmm. Ask them if you've rubbed them the wrong way. And be open to having a conversation. Seek to understand. You know what I'm saying? Don't just seek to, to, to leave with your status intact. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's what I want to speak directly to men. Look, the women in your life, ask them, have you offended them? Have you crossed them? Have you rubbed them the wrong way? And listen and engage them. You know what I'm saying? Ask them for some, ask them if it makes you feel better. Hey, ask them for permission. You mind if I ask you a couple questions? Mm -hmm. You mind if I, because I'm, and just communicate that you're trying to understand. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If you, if you're straight and you're around, if you have people in your life who are from the LGBTQ community, ask them, hey, have I rubbed you the wrong? Have I done something that's, because I'm trying to understand, mm -hmm. you know? And like I said, one of the things you got to understand is it might not go smooth, but you're not entitled to that. Be prepared. You know? To hurt a little bit. But speak, but it's, it's all about being patient, love. What's the thing you always say, Adam? Love and curiosity. Love and curiosity. And that's what you want to communicate. Hey, I love you. I'm just curious. I'm trying to understand. Be gracious with me. Be patient with me. Be merciful with me. You know, work with me because I'm really trying to understand here. If I say something wrong, know that it's charged to, you know, charged to my head, not my heart or whatever the, whatever the saying is. Like, it's not intentional. Like, I'm really trying to get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And those of you who are listening who are on the other side... If you are a person of color, if you are a woman, if you are someone from the LGBTQ community, be gracious with that person who's trying to reach out to you. It takes both sides. Mm -hmm. If they say something wild, you know what I mean? Lovingly let them know. Okay, now that, don't use that word. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or don't say that. You know what I mean? Like try to work with them, but courageously engage them. Don't just cut them off and be like, man, I ain't talking to you about that. Go Google it. You can also be clear for what you're here for. You can say, that too. like, Look, I'm I am not going to be the person to explain this. Right. You can be you can be respectful when yeah. you say that. You you should always be honest even if the honest truth of this is that's ain't I'm not about this. No. Then yeah. that's that's cool. That's okay. You just need to be upfront. You mm -hmm. need to be clear. You owe that to every person. You owe that to yourself. So, yeah. That's what I learned from this situation, from the way that it has blown up and the way that our culture, our, our online culture, our digital selves need to be heard for exactly what we stand for and how we feel about a situation. No matter how trivial, and even though it doesn't have to do with me, this conversation, nobody called me about how I feel about the ancient one. I had opinions, Tilda Swinton, although I guess it's probably a good thing that you called a member of the Asian community. Thank you for the five stars and a positive comment, Margaret Cho. Thank, Thank you for the five stars and a positive comment, Tilda Swinton. Thank you for the five stars and the positive comment, Huffington Post. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, Jessica Pra, Poi, Poi, thank you. Appreciate you. I wish I wasn't so confused when I read your piece, but I understand now. And we're cool. I don't agree. But we're cool. But we're cool. Yeah. I don't agree with you. But there's there's love. Yeah. That's the, <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably the comic book Jinto Mantra that's coming on the shirt next. I don't agree like, with you. I don't agree with you. But we're cool. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sums up. You are completely wrong about the viewing order of the Star Wars films. But hey, man, I love you. Yeah. There's grace for you. <laughs> <laughs> Give me that kidney back, though. Yeah. Let me get yeah. that back. Too late. Okay. That is a long-winded news segment. It always goes long. It man. needed to be said. Yeah. This is the part where we're going to get into talk back. So with, for this one, we're going to read off a couple tweets. Um, <laughs> some fun stuff. Adam's going to lead us through this. This should be good. Okay. I have really been enjoying tweets that are coming across uh, the Comic Book Junto account. Um, <laughs> I have to shout out first, tie it all the way back to the beginning of the show. And Rogue One. Spoilers for Rogue One. Yes. During this part. If you haven't seen Rogue One, you know, the context of these tweets and cracking jokes about them, we might spoil some stuff. So and listen to our one shot. Listen to it. Yes. Watch the movie, listen to the one shot, and then come back and laugh at us. Yes. So okay. spoilers for Rogue One, three, two, one. <laughs> okay. First it is of your all. Fault. Okay. First of all, Octavius has people coming for me. Like I said. I know people. They're after me. And I get comments like this from Z Block Araya, in which he says, I don't understand why you would weaken an experience that could actually be made much better. Seems negligent. He's calling me negligent. Hey, he's, the he's truth saying, hurts. He's saying I'm sleeping. Yeah, he's, I'm sleeping on my watch. Hey. Because I'm not praising Rogue One. No, that's not what he's saying. As the substance that imbues Star Wars that's with not, significance and not, value. Listen, why would you weaken an experience? It wasn't as good. It I need makes to, the rest of them better. I speak in love and truth. Now, that, listen, that, that latter part is the important one, the truth. Listen. It is not that which you have built it to be. I tell the truth. It's my power. That's my a truth teller. That's what I understand. You know what I mean? It's people coming out here for my head. That's because... They're trying to put you in the right... You know what? They're they're evangelists. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay. They're trying to get you you right back on the straight and narrow because they see that you're backslidden. Hey, I'm I'm out here wandering. I'm on Twitter on my timeline whispering to myself, I am with the force. The force is with me. I am with the force. You're walking through the The timeline. Yeah. Yeah. When people calling after Base me like, no, no, don't do it. No, get out of there. <laughs> you know, they're coming for <laughs> Yeah. But we also have a tweet from at Mel Rhodes. Mel's a friend of mine and she, she's, she's got my back in this one. She says, Rogue One episode echoed an almost to blows fight. Me and my geek friends had hashtag team Adam. That's right. A new hope will always be first at Mel Rhodes. Listen to me. <laughs> oh, lean in. Turn it off, Mel. Lean in close. You were with the force. Come on in here. And the force is with you. Listen to what I'm telling you. Mel, you don't mean that. <laughs> Come on now. You must not have seen Rogue One yet. You're out here tweeting. I respect that. You want to get your hot take off. She's my people. And I appreciate that. But yeah. Mel, come on. You know that episode 3.5, oh my God, a.k.a. This. Rogue One, needs to go in front of a new hope. My God, it just that's... makes everything better. It goes together like Legos. <laughs> no. Yes. Ah, uh, look. 
Next one. I don't have the power. I don't have the energy. <laughs> what else we got? We okay. We got a tweet from Seventh Power at Seventh Power. He says, "I never heard of Junto before. I came across you guys, so thanks for helping me regain the lead." Includes an image in which he has won this game of words with friends using the word Junto. Congratulations, Seventh Power. That is the power of the Junto. The Junto will take you there. Where will it take you? The, the windscreen. Mm-hmm. Words with friends. We never knew that we had this much power. The champion's circle. Uh, and then this, this last one, this is a question for, for you and I, Ak. And I like this question because it's going to lead us in, up into our comics for this, this week. This comes to us from at the blurtest. And he says, or she says, or whomever says, after reading The Last Spider-Man and Civil War 2, how do you think Marvel is going to make Captain Marvel likable again? Hashtag AskCBJ. Mm. Well, I got, what is it? The Mighty Captain Marvel? What I got my Mighty Captain Marvel issue zero. Mighty Captain Marvel issue zero. I didn't get a chance to read that yet. Mm-hmm. But man, I've been asking myself that question ever since I've been reading Civil War. How could two, you not? Spoilers for Civil War 2. Um, <clears throat> Captain Marvel has been written very unlikable. Yes. And I like it. I like it because this is real. You know, you got people, everybody, we're all bad guys and we all think we're right. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, and I I love the fact that you get Captain Marvel, you get where she's coming from, you get her perspective, you know, somebody like that, or you've been that person in a certain situation before where, you know, you got to do something that's not particularly popular, but for a reason that you believe is right. You know what I'm saying? And, Mm -hmm. um, how are they going to redeem her? I don't know that I want her to be redeemed. Mm, tell me more about that. Of like, you are at the dark side and now we're going to bring you back to the light because I don't think she's on the quote dark side. Yeah. She's not a bad guy. Yeah. She has a opinion. She has a perspective. And I think that that's important in storytelling because everybody's the superhero of their own story. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So when Carol's talking to her friends, she can't believe Tony. Yeah. You know what I mean? Her, her friends are like, girl, I know Tony been getting on my nerves mm-hmm. since Iron Man one. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, he had that drinking problem. He, and you know, I heard he, he never even got that straight. And you know, he's still in there drinking. Mm-hmm. Every mm-hmm. time I walked in the Avengers Tower one time, like, Tony, what you doing? Like, mm-hmm. I ain't doing nothing. Jarvis put this away. He's not taking care of Pepper Potts. You hear about that? Yeah. And Leaving his woman home. home. Tell me about some Ulysses. I'm not disrespectful. Disrespectful. Make me sick. And then T'Challa gonna act like he don't know me. <laughs> yeah. After all we... <laughs> You know what I mean? Talk about he gonna get Wakanda on me. Get him Wakanda on me. You know, yeah. I'm Captain Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. But, that is that is probably how it plays. But I but with I, for, anybody who's on, on on Team Danvers. Yeah, but I mean, in all seriousness, I don't know that she needs to be redeemed. I like I like the fact that we've got characters that don't just do do the right thing. It's easy. Like, I like the fact that there's some wrestle, and I don't think she's a bad guy. I don't think we need to make her good now because now she's bad. I think that she's just a character with layers, and I appreciate that. And I and I, I love that this is a part of canon, and I want this to be a part of canon. I want 10 years from now what Carol Danvers 
did, which we don't know, which we'll find out. I think we find out next week, mm. you know, what exactly the role plays. And do we have two more issues or one more issue? I think we have two. Because I know that Civil War Two is is delayed. It's behind schedule yeah. right now. We're getting spoilers in other books. Yeah, Invincible Iron Man's dropping some confirmations of things that I don't think Civil War Two has even made clear. Yeah, so it's behind. The schedule's all bunk. Yeah, but um, so that's how I feel about it. I don't know that she needs to be redeemed. I don't know that she needs to be fixed. I just think that this is good storytelling, and this is you know what I mean. Like, shoot. When we read Batman comics, does Batman need to be redeemed? You know what I mean? Does Punisher need to be redeemed? Mm-hmm. You know, these are just different characters. Does Daredevil need to be redeemed? Yeah. I don't know. You know what I mean? Does Rick need to be redeemed? Like, from Walking Dead, I mean. You know yeah. what I mean? So, like, yeah. there's layers. And I think that a lot of times superheroes, we want to, like, wrap them in white and put a halo over them. Right, go, you want to make it easy. Ah, you know what I mean? These okay. are the good guys, these are the bad guys. But I like the fact that you ha- you're actually torn. It's like Tony and Carol are both your friends. Yeah. And you're in the middle as the reader, and they're both looking at you like, whose side you on? Choose. And you like, I love both of you guys, and I see both of your points. I wish you guys could just get along. Oh, you ain't going ain't gonna to sit here and act like, you know what I mean? Like, they you, you want know what you they, to pick. In, in, in a way, that's, that is Power Man and Iron Fist. When they're, they're trying desperately to stay out of it. Yeah. Because they've seen this happen before. And I don't want to take sides. Look, there are people that I, I roll with on this side, and there are mm-hmm. people that I, I roll with on this side. I get your point, and I get your point. I wish I, just, I would just be able to sit down and talk, Yeah, which is kind of what we, you know, even tying it back into the story. Mm-hmm. I wish Tony, Carol, wish I'd be able to sit down, have a conversation. Maybe we don't all need to be involved, part of that conversation. Mm-hmm. But maybe Tony and Carol and Steve Rogers need to sit down and talk. Maybe y'all need to email privately. You know? I don't know. Okay, but what you don't need to do is go to holler at J. Jonah Jameson and have him put it, <laughs> put in, it in on a blast. Google. You know, we don't need that. <laughs> need y'all to keep it in private, email, text message, uh-huh. and iChat, something like that. That's right. That's my thoughts. What do you think? No, I, I agree almost entirely with you. I don't think there needs to be a redemption because I think everything that Carol Danvers is doing, it, I can't classify it as evil. And right. I definitely don't classify it as something that is making me less interested in the character in anything more if, interested. if anything it is more interested i disagree in so many ways with the way that carol danvers approaches mm-hmm. the plot of civil war ii and that makes me surprised i don't know why but i just expected her to be cool I expected to agree with everything she was going to do. And perhaps that's me, the reader, not giving her enough credit as a fully fleshed out, developed character with thoughts and feelings and the ability to choose something that I would not choose. So I'm interested because I did not see this coming. And as it develops, I have these little glimmers of, I I understand, Carol, I understand why this is the hill. That you choose to die on. Just don't. Please don't hang it up. Um, and I wonder what the effect is for fans. I'm, I'm curious how this will manifest in sales. Are people turned off so much by her that the next book, the mighty Captain Marvel, is going to suffer? I hope not. But this reminds me a little bit of the events that took place in Avengers versus X-Men. 
a huge event from several years back in which Cyclops did a thing that was unforgivable, except he is forgiven now. So it takes some time and you go through some winding dark hallways and you explore depths of the character that you did not expect. And that's the point, right? That's the point. Yeah. Storytelling. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I blurtist. I hope you agree. I wonder how you feel listeners as you listen to us and what we think about Carol Danvers. Tell us what you think. Tell us if you're with it or are you just staging a boycott? on all Captain Marvel movies or movies and Brie Larson and comic books. Are you going to start a, a petition.org? Is that how this is going to be? Whoa. Change.org petition? I don't know. People take it to, to heights. All types of heights. Mm-hmm. So that's that. That's our talkback section. Hit us up on Twitter with the hashtag AskCBJ. Um, tweet at Tweet at Comic Book Junto, at Adam Tedderas, at Octavius A. Newman. Let us know what your questions are. Let us know what your thoughts are on what we talked about today. Also, one last thing. We got a we got a five-star review I wanted to read. Oh. Okay. So on iTunes, see this is from Farzetta Hulk. CBJ is an awesome pod. Five stars. Octavius and Adam will make you laugh, think, and cry while discussing various pop culture topics. And at times, veering into important social issues of today, I listen to a lot of comic book-related podcasts, and right now, nobody's doing it better than these two. Boom! Hey! Five stars! Thank you. We appreciate that. Absolutely. Frazetta Hulk. That's nice. I don't even Frizetta know. Frazetta Hulk, there's right. uh, Green Hulk, Gray Hulk, Red Hulk. Fuchsia Hulk. Fuchsia Hulk. Frazetta Hulk. Frazetta Hulk. Yeah. Now I understand all the Hulk situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's what we got. Um, again, at Comic Book Junto, um, hashtag AskCBJ, at barefruit.com. Send us emails there, and we'll read these questions and try to answer them on the show. Also, keep in mind, we're going to be doing a live stream in starting 2017, so you can mm-hmm. hit us up with some questions there as well. We'll give you more information about that. All right, now on to the books of the week, into the brown bag. Happy brown bag day. Happy brown bag day to you as well, Adam. Happy brown bag day to you, Internet. It's time to get into these comics. Uh, we're taking a look at a pool list right now. Today was a big day. I had to make a few cuts, and I still spent, uh, how do you say it? Too much money. Way too much money. Lots of comics, man. I picked up four kids walk into a bank, the third issue, finally. Occupy Avengers, number two. We'll talk on that one in a minute. Batman, number 13. You know we are going to talk on that one. Black Hammer. Number six, really excited about Black Hammer 6. Cage, number three, this one's special. Lock and Key, Small World, number one. I thought that was over. Lock and Key ended years ago. It was amazing, and this is a one-shot. Just just a one-shot out of the blue, and I feel this is a gift. It's a Christmas miracle. Lock and Key is phenomenal. If you have not picked that one up, I can't recommend it highly enough. Speaking of a Christmas gift, Power Man and Iron Fist, Sweet Christmas, number one. I'm excited for this. Your variant is beautiful. Why, thank you. They're doing snow angels. That's a beautiful thing. And Dr. Afra, number two. I love Dr. Afra. It's a good week. I got Trinity, number four. Whoa. I got The Mighty Captain Marvel, number zero. Mm -hmm. I got Cage, number three. I also have Black Panther, World of Wakanda, number two. Um, I've got Reborn, number three. I understand that this is a five or a 
six issue series. Oh, okay. From Mark so Millar, and Greg Capullo. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't pick that up last week, so I picked it up this week. Four kids walk into a bank. Number three, finally. It took us a while. Yeah. Power Man and Iron Fist, Sweet Christmas, number one. Batman, number 13. Invincible Iron Man, number two. Occupy Avengers, number two. So let's get into these books. Real quick, the books of the week are Batman, number 13. Invincible Iron Man, number two. But we just want to touch on, lightly, Occupy Avengers, number two. We enjoyed Occupy Avengers, number one, a lot. It was one of our books of the week. This is coming to us from David F. Walker and Carlos Pacheco and several others. And of course, the plot of Occupy Avengers is Clint Barton, Hawkeye, uh, spoilers for Civil War II. We got to go over this. Three, two, one. It's your fault. Clint Barton is found not guilty of murder. I don't know exactly what the charges were. Yeah. But uh, he was he was acquitted and let free uh, for killing... Bruce Banner, and he's roaming the United States looking for small problems to solve, small but serious problems. And he's growing this team of people who do not have abilities who can help solve things like, what do you do with a community of indigenous people who have no clean drinking water? How do you superhero that? Yeah. So the reason that I think we can blow through this one is in issue two, it's mostly just fisticuffs with Hydro Man. We got Red Wolf, we got Hawkeye, Fisticuffs with Hydra Man. A.K.A. Wet Willie. A.K.A. Wet Willie, and apparently really does not like being called the wrong name. Did we do the spoilers wall, spoiler wall for the books? Well, we did for Civil War II, but we, we can apply it in general. Yeah, so in general, we're going to be talking about these books. We're going to be spoiling these books. If you haven't read these books, get ready to get spoiled or pause this and go read them and then come back to us. Mm-hmm. So I think I recommend Occupy... Avengers 2, but at the same time, this is not, this issue doesn't necessarily get to the point of the series until really late in this issue, I think. Would, would you agree? I would agree with that. There's a conversation that Hawkeye has with Red Wolf, and I think that is the the atomic reason why this this exists. And the quote that I will direct you to is, for the most part, I'm trying to make sense of a world that makes no sense. And Red Wolf says, okay, yeah, that's what's up. I'll join you. Yeah. Now, what we know is we will return to this series because our man Nighthawk is going to be joining the team. Woo! Well, we know We that think. Maybe. Clint and Nighthawk. Don't get along. Are going to have some beef. Yeah, because we have a little preview page, which is pretty interesting. It says, coming this year in Occupy Avengers, drama, laughs, Action, surprises, and each one of those has a panel of a, an issue upcoming. And Nighthawk is slugging Clint Barton in the chin. And he says, I told you I never wanted to see your face again. Bow! Punches e. the dude in the mouth. E. So well, I think we'll find out what that's all about in the next issue because it seems Nighthawk versus Hawkeye is coming up. I think we'll return to this series. So keep picking it up. Stay tuned. But not today. Right. We're going to start off with what we are going to talk about is Batman number 13, which is the conclusion of I Am Suicide. Batman number 13 is picking up from the events that took place in issue 12. Uh, as a reminder, uh, this is this is going to be a lot of spoilers. We're going to get into it. So if you've not finished this book, Batman 13, then three, two, one. It's your fault. Spoilers. Because we're, we're at it right now. Um, 
when we last left Batman and his small suicide squad that was going into Santa Prisca to grab Psycho Pirate away from Bane, we had an immense betrayal. And it was Catwoman turning the tides and joining Bane and screwing over Batman. And it looked like we were in a situation that was unfathomable. Like, here we go again. Every time Batman goes up against Bane, it does not work out nicely for Batman. And I guess it, it, things are not always as they seem. Seems to be the, the way of looking at this. In fact, we're, we're checking in with some characters that, honest to God, I thought were dead. I thought uh, Punchy and Julie, I thought they were dead. The last time we we saw them in the in the book, didn't she like slice them across the throat? The Certainly seemed to be the case. Catwoman just yeah. went ham, yeah, on Bronze Tiger and Punchy and Julie, and it it seems like they're being drug, they're lifeless, limp bodies, drug onto a conveyor belt, and they're going to be cremated and burned alive. But maybe not. But maybe they didn't slice them across the throat. Maybe they didn't do this and that. Maybe yeah. it was all. Just maybe it's just a play. Yeah. Um, but what I want to focus on in the beginning of this is something that I've never seen before, which is an unexpected visitor in the Batcave. Can people just roll up into the Batcave? Maybe if you're Amanda Waller, because apparently Amanda Waller can just get into the Batcave whenever she wants to. Can do whatever she wants. I mean, how does she even know what a Batcave is? There's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, like, I had my thoughts about issue number 12, and even the beginning of this arc, I was kind of like, ah, okay, what are we doing? You know what I mean? Mm. But there's some stuff about this that makes me go, what? Is what what is going on here? Is that how how do you feel about seeing Amanda Waller in the Batcave? Um, I'm just wondering. This breaks the Batman rules in my head. Okay, you know what I mean. Interesting. Like, how do you know where the Batcave is? Yeah. How are you just walking into the Batcave? Do you have access? Did he give you a key? Was this a part of the arrangement between you two? You know what I mean? Like, what's going on here? Like, are you that dope that you can just find a way into the Batcave? Mm -hmm. And Alfred seems startled. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I was trying not to startle you. I don't like to stink up on people unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. So it's like Alfred didn't even know that she was there, it seems like, you know? And Alfred says, if he were here, and she goes, Mr. Pennyworth, he's in Santa uh, Santa Prisca, Prisca dying on a mission I planned, a mission he needed after I so unfortunately lost control of Dr. Strange and Mr. Hayden. And basically, he she cuts him off and says, but yes, you're right, Mr. Pennyworth. It might have been different. It might have been difficult if he were here. So it even kind of like communicates the fact that Hey, if he were here, you wouldn't be rolling up in here like this. Yeah. And she acknowledges, yeah, no, you're right. If he were here, it probably wouldn't be going down like this. But he's I know actually he's not here. Not here. So it's just like, okay, that's mm, I get I guess. I read this as uh, I read this a, a few different ways. One, Amanda Waller is BA. Like more than I even knew. If she can just waltz into the Batcave like this, dang. And the other thing I think is it has been established before that Batman keeps secrets. And I think back to Scott Snyder's run 
I think it was Death Death of the Family, in which there's a little breakdown in the Bat family because Bruce Wayne is not telling the full truth to the people around him, even to the Bat family. And I think there are a couple of cards that he keeps close to himself and doesn't share around. And maybe this is part of the deal that he struck up with Amanda Waller. Another thing I want to point out, in the scene itself, again, the artwork is phenomenal in this Yes. But when we enter into the Batcave, you get a peek at some of Batman's vehicles. And the Dark Knight Tumblr is up in there, which I thought was a, a, a cool touch. You see, you know, it's... We always get a romp of the bat submarine, the bat bike, the bat copter, the bat yeah, yeah, this, yeah. the bat that. But I like the the little wink at the existence of multiple vehicles from different versions of Batman, different Batman stories. So seeing the tumbler in there, I thought was pretty dope. I like that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. So. What's happening in this book, basically, is Bane saying some stuff and saying, like, look, ultimately, you know, you're coming after me, looking for me, because at the end of the day, you're weak and you want to die, but you can't kill yourself. So you come to me. I am suicide. You come, you come to me because you want me to kill you. I did the same thing. I came looking for you because I wanted you to kill me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so Bane's talking trash, beating up on Batman. We got Bronze Tiger. He was like, look, I need some uh, Venom. Hook me up. We got, um, what's the, the Ventriloquist, who's yeah. just kind of standing the same place that Catwoman left him. Yeah. And we got Bane just thrashing and suplex, putting ba- Batman in a cradle and suplexing him. First of all, you need to know something about wrestling. You know what I mean? To mm-hmm. be able to draw that. Like, that's an official thing. Like, that's Olympic. Like, that's oh, yeah. Olympic wrestling stuff. That's not just... Some old regular stuff. A cradle into a suplex? That's yeah. real. Yeah. So shout out to the illustrator on that or the writer, whoever put that in there, but that's dope. Um, so we still got uh, Ventriloquist hanging out, chilling, looking at his watch. We got Bronze Tiger shooting up with the um, the Venom. And then we've also got Punchy and what's her face? Julie. Punchy and Julie who are in the conveyor belt. And they and, wake up. Yeah, they get up. I guess they're not dead. And we have... Catwoman with a little smirk on her face. Mm-hmm. Batman talking trash, beating him up. You know what I'm saying? I mean, uh, Bane's beating him up. And he picks Batman up and he says, all you have to do is tell me. Tell me you want to be happy. Now, it's interesting that what he's writing, there's a lot of dot, dot, dot. It's almost like, tell me want to be happy. Yeah. Tell me you want to be brave. Yeah. Tell me you want to know. I was, no, you know what I mean? Like, it's almost like he's writing it the same way it was. I was reading that as Bane sort of perpetually being out of breath. Yes. And I wonder if that's because he's not hooked up to Venom. Maybe. And he's speaking on behalf of the benefit Psycho Pirate's presence is. Psycho Pirate makes me better. I don't know exactly what that means, but he's insinuating, I don't need Venom anymore. I found the cure. Yeah. And it's hanging with Psycho Pirate. He tells me what he tells I me what to hear, feel, and then I feel it. And if yeah, yeah, and it fixes me right up. So when he's speaking, his dialogue is slow, like measured. The cadence of his sentences mm-hmm. is unique. Or he's Tom Hardy. Or he's Tom Hardy. And so I thought that was that was unique. I also think it's unique that Catwoman is doing this little thing where she's saying, 
bat. Right. Bat. And she's asking for a cue. Yeah. And so, so every bat, time she says that, she's saying, is it time? Right. Yeah. And bat, and you know, Bane's like, yo, tell me what you want. Tell me you want to be happy. I'll hook you up. I got you. Batman goes, I want to break your damn back. Yes. And I was like, yo, this <laughs> boy is wild. <laughs> yo. So, uh, Bronze Tiger rips off the great. I don't know how he got Venom. I don't know who had Seemed Venom like in there. Santa Prisca is a prison, so I assume someone somebody had that work, some hook had up. that work on him. The the emergency uh, stock, I guess, for Bane. I don't know. Mm-hmm. They got Venom junkies hanging up in there. Now here's the thing. Interesting piece I noticed when Batman said he wants to break his damn back. Punchy and Julie wake up. And when Bane goes crazy reaching for Batman, that's like one of the first times you ever see Bane's eyes. Hmm. You don't, every other time they all almost look like they're glowing or they're like, like hidden by shadow. Mm-hmm. But when he like, ah, like goes after him, that's the only time you actually see it. That's the first time you see his actual eyes. Hmm. So Punchy and Julia are having this ridiculous conversation while they're chewing gum and blowing bubbles so large that they cover their entire body. Yeah. And when they go through the conveyor belt of fire, they come out on the other side unscathed. And it seems like some it must be some kind of special gum because we're going to see that gum later has formed a raft. <laughs> and no, look, here's know. the thing. When, when I'm reading this, I'm thinking, I actually said out loud, I do not know what is happening right now. But at the same time, I'm thinking, okay, this camp, the shark repellent, the giant bomb, yeah, kite man, yeah, take it all in stride. Yeah, I think from time to time, Tom King is giving you like the the little bit of campiness as well as the darkness and and the severity of Batman stories. He's trying to offer those in equal measure, which is strange. Usually, you get one or the other. You don't normally get both, and I, I like that. I like that technique. Mm-hmm. So we got Bronze Tiger shows up, gets um, the uh, ventriloquist, and Punchy and Julie come out the other side. He gets uh, Bronze Tiger gets the ventriloquist, tells them to come with him. They run up to where Bane, Psycho Pirate, Catwoman, and Batman are, and Bane is totally whooping on Batman. Yes, he is. And then finally, Batman gives the cue to Cat and. She basically jumps and flying sidekicks Bane in the back mm-hmm. and breaks his damn back. There's something so satisfying about seeing the team and the plan come together. Like the same reason why heist movies are really fun to watch because you like seeing all the pieces and the players fall into the positions that they're supposed to be in. And it's like watching someone solve a puzzle. Right. And this issue gave me that feeling, that catharsis of, oh no, oh no, we're getting down to the wire. Batman does not have much left in him. He's going to die at the hands of Bane. But everybody else is getting into place. All of the players are getting into place and it's about to go down. And it is so satisfying to see the whole crew get together and get into the place where they need to. And then the culmination of it is Bane is beat down. On the ground, helpless, cannot get up, and Psycho Pirate thinks, okay, this is no problem. Got you. I'm Psycho Pirate. I'm going to just Psycho Pirate my way out of this. That's where Ventriloquist comes in. This guy's just been waiting in the wings, and you've been wondering, what is this dude doing here? What is he doing here? But there's clearly something going on with Ventriloquist's mind that makes him impervious to Psycho Pirate. 
So when Psycho Pirate says, do you, do you know who I am? Do you know who you're messing with? You are very scared. You're scared. You are very scared. We see what those words do to Gotham Girl, mm-hmm. the point of why we're even here right now. Yeah. And they take no effect on Ventriloquist. Not at all. And that's when he comes out. The hand puppet. Mm. Scarface. It starts doing the talking. All right, all right, enough of this. I've been keeping quiet so we can all get out of Arkham. But this, this here, this is crossing the line. Like, he's just totally... And then you're like, yo, this dude is n- not well. Like, yeah. he's... He's not well. Like, yeah. he's doing, there's not even, because even in animated series, you see the puppet. It's just like the talking hand. It's That's just, it. That's all. It's, it's like the Muppet with no Muppet on your hand. And Ventriloquist has talked about it with Catwoman. When they were making their way into Santa Prisca, when Catwoman was saying, Scarface is, I mean, it's you, right? Like, it is you. you. It's just you doing the things that you want to do and making up an excuse for it. That's your mask, right? And Ventriloquist maintains, nope, it's not me. So he's got like multiple personalities yeah, or something. some scenario like that. And I can, I swear, I can hear Bronze Tiger and the other crew looking at this situation being like, what the, what is this? What is going on right now? The, what is happening? Yeah. And you have to think, this is what Batman does. Batman has this this deep secret knowledge of everyone he has ever gone toe to toe with, and he knows what they're capable of, what they can do, and how he can use them as tools in this situation. And he knew the ventriloquist would be able to stand up against Psycho Pirate. He'd be the only dude who would be able to do that. And before Scarface goes nuts, before you even let him out of the cage, Bronze Tiger says, "Hey, ventriloquist," and knocks him cold. Just as kind of like, uh, hey, we got to protect ourselves here. Because if Scarface stays on the scene, then none of us are going to be in good shape. And they make the escape. This felt like a heist movie. Yeah. This whole arc felt like a heist movie. But you mentioned something before we recorded, and you said, this didn't feel quite like Tom King to you. Yeah, this was didn't feel as smart. Okay. It didn't feel as clever. Mm-hmm. Not like Tom King's not smart, but it didn't feel as clever as the other books. Um, the reason being because you want me to believe that Batman knew all of this was going to happen and he planned all of this and all of this was like, yeah, and then, you know, Catwoman's going to do this and that. But when you think about it, they all orchestrated it. It wasn't like anything was out of whack like catwoman put punchy and julie down like nobody shot them like Mm -hmm. she put them down Mm -hmm. you know she put bronze tiger down as well she got you know bane to to believe that she was on her side she you know what i mean so it was part of me that was kind of like ah okay i guess you know what i mean like you got to just accept he's batman because that's literally what what bronze tiger says like look we just we got him to just give us Sacro pirate like yeah. that's it this is the end it's that's it, it can't it can't be like this is impossible and then you know catwoman goes oh bronze tiger don't you know it's not impossible it's batman and that's really like what you just have to just accept like yeah it's kind of unbelievable but that's the thing the greatest detective like yeah like i'm 27 steps ahead of everybody like and i'm willing to put myself 
through hell and high water and put myself in harm's way to get done what needs to get done because I'm Batman. I'm just, I'm just other. You know what I mean? I'm not like everybody else. You can't compare me to everyone else. I love that because it falls in line with the theory that I had about previous issues. All of the issues that it took to get to this one, the ones in which Batman was flinging himself in front of open fire, guns that were clearly going to shoot him and put him down. But in the panel, that was not the case. I know that was something that bothered you and it bothered other people. But the way that I kept seeing this was, this is an illustration of Batman doing something that is not possible. And yes, it is excessive. But when I'm looking at it, what I'm seeing is not possible. And somehow, Batman still survives. So I think this is interesting to me because I remember when Tom King did that issue with Calendar Man. Do you remember that issue? Mm -hmm. The very early stuff, right? The the first rebirth Batman. And it was a commentary on Batman stories being cyclical and why Batman keeps fighting over and over, season through season, even though it's crazy. But this is what he does. So it seems more like a commentary of the, the stuff that makes a Batman story. And I think this is that. Batman does things that are not possible and this felt like an illustration of that and you mentioned bane's eyes by the way yeah psycho pirate is out of the picture and bane starts screaming for venom Mm. so he's going to get hooked up again but take a look at that last panel i'm going to flip to it right now yeah you got pupils iris his full eyes are on display yeah whereas the first time that we saw them in the book they were just blank white yeah so I think those little illustration tricks are interesting. Like maybe he was under the influence of Psycho Pirate and those eyes are glazed over and perhaps that's how you can see it. Maybe that's a little clue that we should look for in upcoming books. Maybe. I loved this arc and it did feel a little less poetic than mm-hmm. some of Tom King's other stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it felt smart in that I see commentary about the stuff that makes Batman Batman. And I really enjoy it for that. That's that. So that is Batman number, what was that, 13? Yeah, 13. Up next, Bat and Cat is the next arc that's coming afterwards. So um, we can probably, we're going to continue reading that. And the next book we have for our book of the week is Invincible Iron Man number two, a.k.a. Riri Williams. Mm -hmm. So this book is fun. Well, let's let's make sure we put a little, yeah. It, well, it is fun. Yes. But at the same time, it is sad. Yes. As, uh, as, as Pee Wee Herman says, it's been real and it's been fun, but it hasn't been real fun <laughs> because there's a lot of real in this book and there is a lot of fun. And by the end of it, I keep thinking, especially thinking about Spider-Man, Brian Bendis, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, there's a lot of deep stuff taking place there's a there's a lot of exercising demons in this one and we're seeing reality in a way that is brutal Mm -hmm. yeah and i think and i like it because this is a good way of like like building up who this character is because this is a new character for us yeah so we're getting a chance to actually get introduced to to who this person is and this is our version of the radio this is her version of the radioactive spider Mm. this is her version of the weapon x program this is her version of you know the gamma rays you know what i mean like this is what happened this is her backstory this is her frozen in the ice and then i'm thawed out a bunch of years later and we need that to understand who is riri williams where does she come from and who are we dealing with right now very very hard spoiler 
warning right now because this book spoils some things that take place in Civil War II that not even the core Civil War II stories have confirmed yet. So I want to put this out here. Uh, spoiler warning, seriously obey it. Join us if you've read the issues of Civil War II and Invincible Iron Man. Three, two, one. It's your fault. Yeah. All right, so here's Riri talking to us. The Iron Man is dead. I had to say it. Apparently, he's dead. Confirmed. Because Riri says, I liked you more when you were alive. And he says, you didn't really know me then. And now he's just an AI. And I was like, I didn't even know Tony was dead. I didn't even have time to say goodbye. What happened right now? You all right? Yeah, I'll be okay. Okay. All right. Just Glad you got a chance to get that out. I just, wanted, I just needed to say something. That's important. I'll miss you, Tony. <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't care. <laughs> so this is Riri talking to us. She says, hi. Okay, hey, so Tony Stark is alive. He's not dead. He's alive. And, well, actually, he downloaded his consciousness into an artificial intelligence matrix. And the artificial intelligence matrix showed up at my house. The techno, world. The techno hey. ghost of Tony Stark is haunting me. He, it wants to help me become a superhero. Do you hear what I'm saying? The dude downloaded himself into a program so he could never actually really die. The ego on this dude. Seriously. <laughs> I should look into that. Maybe I need to do that. Man, how is a not Tony Stark, Tony Stark going to train me? So that's like the intro. Riri is like talking into a camera. Like you get the idea that she's recording and documenting her experience kind of thing. Like Captain's Log kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So... And the beginning of this is Riri floating above the city with almost every Iron Man suit that you can think of surrounding her and just going ham sandwich on her. Just yeah. attacking, shooting, punching, all that kind of stuff. And you hear Riri talking to the AI Tony Stark. Mm -hmm. And they're going back and forth. And Riri's basically saying, look, you know, like, how you, this is how you're going to train me? Like, what is this teaching me? And Tony's saying, look, you got to be ready for anything. You got to yeah. be ready for this and that. You know, this... He's like, not pulling punches. Oh, no. He, he, <laughs> she cracks the joke. She goes, you know, this is child abuse, right? It's technically child abuse. He's like, no, nah, not if it's training. Yeah. So, like, they're just going for it. They're beating up on her. Um, and... Um, it's a fun it's a fun scene to look at. It's fun to see all these Iron Men punching and shooting and seeing her like fly away. And one of the things that, you know, she does is start flying away, like mm -hmm. trying to get away from all of the Iron Men. And when you turn the page, we see Chicago two years ago, and we see her with her friend in the garage, and they're talking, and they're talking about how Riri has seen the Little Mermaid, but her friend has never seen it. Yeah, you know, and she's like, yeah, a little mermaid. That, everybody has that friend. Yeah. They're like, what do you mean you have not? How have how have you? How are you my friend? Come to think of it, how have I not known this? Yeah, yeah. So they're talking about how you know hasn't seen a Little Mermaid. How you know our friend likes romantic comedies more and all that kind of stuff. And ultimately, I think there's a guy that she likes, and mm. she wants Riri to say something to the guy. Is that what you got from it too? Yeah, it seemed to be. Um, I, I think I think Riri was kind of pretending to not be present for it, but maybe the maybe there's a competing crush situation. Yeah, but it's it's you know friends talking to friends about like, do you think this person is going to be here? Yeah, do, are you excited about it? Like I am. That dude is so cool. You know, I I've had this conversation with friends of mine. Yeah, we're like, do you think Ashley's going to come to the picnic? No, no reason. 
But are you, do you care about that? Do you like Ashley? Do you no, like? No, no, no. I just wanted to like. Yeah, just wanted to like. You know, I mean, like if she's there. I would like. Yeah. Say what's up. So this seems that the pitch is right for their age. Yeah. So you know, and ultimately, her friend is saying, "Listen, if he's there, introduce me. I need you to have my back." And Riri's mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, I got your back." And she's like, "Promise me you got my back." She's like, "I got your back." And then it's like, "What are you making?" Mm-hmm. Riri says, "A rocket pack," because she wants to fly. Yeah. And you know. She's like, don't you want to fly? And her friend's like, not even a little bit. She goes, I'm going to fly. And like that stuff to me is special. Like I, I, I like the fact that we have a black, young black woman, young black girl mm-hmm. who is sitting here in her garage working on stuff and says something definitive like, I'm going to fly. Like, I'm going to do this. That's dope. But then you turn the page and she's literally plummeting out of the sky, <laughs> screaming at the top of her lungs. And then says, stop screaming. Don't let him hear you scream. And the AI Tony goes, I can hear you talking to yourself. That's kind of sort of more embarrassing. You know what I mean? Like she's screaming and then telling herself not to scream. And then the AI is like, you know, I can hear you. So yeah. Again, more fighting. People are starting to gather now. People are looking, and one of the um, one of the uh, Iron Men take her underwater and start talking, and saying, "Hey, how are your seals? You know, it's important. We got to make sure that your seals are where they're supposed to be." And you know, it says um, you have to be ready for anything. You know, you got to yeah. be ready for any situation. Yeah. And then we turn the page again two years later, and if you read. Invincible Iron Man number one, you saw what happened at the picnic. You saw that two people, there was a drive-by shooting and two yeah. people were shot. Mm-hmm. Now, we assume when those people, two people were shot that they died. Mm-hmm. But we see two years ago, Riri and her mother at the hospital. You know, it seems like a doctor comes out and lets her know, lets Riri's you know, mother know, your husband didn't make it. The bullet did just too much. And like the most like you feel the pain in her mother like it's written no but it's written in o o o a a h h like no like not just no like that pain blood curdling like fall to your knees scream and holler kind mm. of thing and it's just like goodness gracious um well, I'm actually curious do we know his name was his name Noah was it Noah? It's possible. I'm, it, frankly, I don't remember, but I, you're right. I read it as onomatopoeia, like I could hear her yelling and trailing off. Yeah. But now that I think of it, I'm wondering, well, that is the name Noah, so I wonder. Hmm. And somehow, I didn't put somehow, that together. inexplicably, that's not even the most painful moment. Yeah. This is not the first time. Yeah. And that's something new that we learned, because Riri says, you know, because so her mother says... Again, it happened again. And the doc's like, what are you doing? What happened again? So Riri says, kind of like with a calm, unaffected, because this is her stepfather. Yeah. Right? This isn't her blood father. It's her stepfather. She goes, this is, the, this is her second husband. They both died. Both shot. Which is like, whoa. Hmm. What? Mm. I guess we'll learn more about that as we go on, I'm assuming. Because mm-hmm. I don't even, I don't know anything about that. Um, so then Riri says, the girl, Natalie. And the doctor's like, I'm sorry, what are you you talking about? She's like, you know, little girl, my size. Also, she also got shot. Is she? And then doctor goes, look, I got to wait for her parents to get here. That information is classified or whatever. And she goes, her name is Natalie. Like, Riri's not trying to hear it. And then the doctor's like, I'm sorry, I'm not allowed. And Riri takes off. Mm -hmm. Takes off, 
runs runs in the back to the emergency area and she just sees a bunch of people on stretchers and people working on them. Mm-hmm. Riri's walking through and she sees a body on a stretcher fully covered and she pulls it back and you see the, they do this amazing thing where they just have her shadow and it's just red. Yeah. And you see her eyes open up really, really big. And I turn the page at this point and I'm thinking, okay, we're going to cut back to Iron Man and all that kind of stuff. I also thought maybe we would have a, uh, one of those fake outs where this is not actually the person. Yeah. Maybe Natalie is like, hey, knucklehead. Right. I'm over here. Yeah, or something like that. And that is not the case. Not the case at all. Like, she actually sees the body. She actually touches the body on the head. And she goes, oh, no, I, I, I love you so much. Don't do this. Because the thing is, like, in the other scene of two years ago, they're saying, I love you. You know what I mean? All that kind of stuff. Mm. And Riri just you know, gets so upset. They're pulling her off. She's saying, no, don't touch her. They're pulling her back and all that kind of stuff. And then we hear Tony's voice again. You can't just run away. Yeah. Which is interesting because it's like you're seeing the flashes go back and forth. Like you can't run away from your problems. Mm -hmm. You can't run away from this issue, I would assume. And, you know, we see Riri just flying away. It looks like she's just flying further and further and further away. And all of the different Iron Men are flying after her. And, you know, Tony's AI, Tony's like, look, the more you run, the more difficult the training program is going to get, you know. (laughs) And then that's when Riri goes, I swear to Thor. I liked you more when you were alive. And Tony goes, you barely knew me then. Yeah. And also, no offense, but my armors make your armor look like it was slapped together with foam core. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like foam core. And it's it's funny that he says foam core because that is something that a lot of people use who do cosplay. So when he's saying foam core, that is very much a nod to what are you wearing? Cosplay outfit? Yeah. (laughs) Like, are you an Iron Man? What are you? Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was something. So we flip back again. We're two years back again. And Riri and her mother are sitting on their sofa. It looks like they're talking to a detective or something like that. And, you know, ultimately he's asking questions. You know, I know you're sad. I know you're upset. You'd really do your husband some justice if you could tell me if you saw anything. Did you see anybody's face? So and so and so. And her mom's like, look, all I saw was the the gun and the bullets. I didn't get a chance to see anybody's face. So the cop's like, look, I'm going to take you down. To the, to the precinct, have you look at some mugshots or whatever. And in the background, there's a TV that's on. Mm-hmm. And Riri's really not paying attention to what this cop is saying. What Riri's doing is watching the TV, and what she sees on the TV is, you know, superheroes flying around. What she sees on the TV is a cameo of one of my favorite bad guys. Who's that? Stilt Man. Stilt Man, who wears the suit, who makes his oh. legs real long. Wow. Stilt Man sucks. And Stiltman is so funny to me. I think back to some of my favorite Daredevil issues that were written by Mark Wade when Daredevil was going up against Stiltman. And he's, Stiltman is ridiculous. So I, I like that little cameo in there. But yeah, Riri is fixated on heroes. Yeah, she sees Iron Man. She sees Thor. She sees Spider-Man. And, you know, she then asks a question to the cop. She goes, I have a question. The cop says, yes. How am I still alive? And it's just like, what? Like, how how was he supposed to answer that? Yeah. And she says, why Natalie, not me? Why my stepdad, not my mom? And the cop goes, well, it's, uh, it uh, was random. Um, I don't know what to say. And Riri is not even looking at him. She's looking at the TV. She sees Iron Man talking to the press and cameras flashing, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then we see Tony's voice 
this isn't the answer. So she's flying away, flying away, flying away. And ultimately what she did was um, she took the time while she was flying away to put a virus in through a Trojan horse and basically like messed up the neural network that all the Ironmen were on and Mm -hmm. they all plummet into the ocean and then she's celebrating. Yeah, she outsmarted AI Tony Hawk. Start <laughs> right. Uh, she she outsmarts him by by making it look like she was running away. She was really just buying time so she could develop this virus and infect all of the Iron Man suits that were following her. I guess that's the only way that you could take down that many targets at once. Especially if you're not equipped, your suit is not fully equipped to actually take the brunt of an attack. So that was very clever. And I wonder if those are the sorts of tactics we'll we'll see. Riri Williams employ as she's fighting bad guys. Mm-hmm. She can, maybe she'll be like more of a hacker type, maybe than just all firearms and such. Maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. But we still haven't seen this new suit that we see her in, so I'm sure that we're gonna be able to get an idea of what her fighting tactic is. Because Tony was talking about her fighting tactics and her what she did in Civil War. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't know what she did, but Tony says, "Look, you won by the skin of your teeth," mm-hmm. but. You know, Riri was like, but I still won, though. We also haven't seen Riri get her name yet, Ironheart, because that is her superhero name. And it is still curious to me that the name of this book is Invincible Iron Man, which is making a statement on the the status of Tony Stark rather than emphasizing the main character, which is Riri. All right, so that last page. Yep. That last page, what we see is what looks like a new villain. Now, do you know who this is? Mm-mm. No idea who this is, but also, but ultimately what we see is someone who's like, look, a new Iron Man, and he took out all of the old ones. I thought we were told that Tony Stark was no longer among the living. So this is someone, looks like one woman talking to another woman, and they look like they're in some sort of Asian country, Asian environment, you know, Asian mm-hmm. Community. They don't look. They, they don't look like they're in New York. You know what I mean. They look very yeah. far away. They're surrounded by a bunch of guys who look like snake eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, two Asian women. They all have swords and all that kind of stuff. Um, and ultimately, she says, "We need." Um, if that is Tony Stark, I would like him destroyed immediately. If that is not him, whatever that is, whoever it is, we need to shut them down before it gets out of hand and ruins. Everything we are tr- we are attempting to do here, we can't take the chance again. We need the new Iron Man must die quickly. Do that for me, will you? So I don't know who she is. Don't know. I don't know who she's talking to. Do not know. I don't know how she's going to stop Iron Man, but apparently that's what the goal is. And we're going to find out more later yeah. in 2017. Training is not going to take her much farther she's she's got actual threats on the horizon so we will see what happens to riri williams when real bad guys come knocking on her door yep and i wonder how riri's mom is going to handle this situation riri's mom knows that she flies around fights crime puts on the suit does the thing and i just you know i I wonder what it would be like what the relationship will be like in that Riri's mother has suffered a lot of loss. So has Riri. And how difficult would it be to see the person you love the most in your family 
who the person who has survived these horrible circumstances go out and put their life on the line day in and day out. It's got to be difficult. Yeah. But I'm feeling it. It's a great issue. I'm into it. I'm yeah. really enjoying Invincible Iron Man. Um, so here's what we got coming up next week. We got Black Panther number nine. We got Civil War two number eight. Ooh. That's going to be a book Ooh. of the week. Ooh. We also have Hulk number one. Which oh, is going to have yes. She-Hulk in it. I'm yeah. so excited. I'm so excited for that book. We've got Spider-Man number 11 as well. Mm-hmm. So we got some important books. We got Black Panther number nine. That's probably going to be a book of the week. Civil War two number eight. That's going to be a book of the week. Spider-Man number 11, probably a book of the week. Mm-hmm. And... Hulk number one can be some sort of honorable mention. We can touch on that maybe. Yeah. We'll see. But those are those are the four main books that I would point out. Other stuff that's coming out, Dark Knight 3, The Master Race, number seven. Who knows what the heck? I will believe book. it when I see it, when it is in my hands. I will believe that. <sighs> no clue what's going on with this book. Don't know. Um, Rocket Raccoon, number one. Southern Bastards, number 16. Yes. So there's some stuff coming out next week, so check it out. But main things to focus on, Black Panther, number nine. Civil War 2, number 8, Hulk, number 1, and Spider-Man, number 11. We got to get in that Spider-Man, number 11. Yes, sure. we do. And that Civil War. Yes, we do. Absolutely. All right. So, episode 52. Made it through 52 episodes of Comic Book Junto. It's a new 52. Yeah. That it's, is a new 52. It's the new 52. It's not the rebirth. Yeah. We'll get there five oh, we'll, years from will now. Will we? <laughs> will we going to stop it in, like, Comic Book Junto Rebirth? That's when Comic Book Junto integrates the Watchmen characters. Oh, gosh. That, that's what we're going to have to do. We didn't even figure that what that's all about. I still have no idea. I'm good on it. Yeah, I'm good on it, too. Oh. So that's episode 52, 52 episodes in 2016. So, yeah. Yeah. If you are listening to this right now, you are probably a couple of days away from Christmas. If you observe the holiday... Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you. Regardless of what you observe, happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Merry, happy, Merry Christmas Hanukkah Kwanzaa to you. All of them. Every single one. Get it. Uh, we hope you're enjoying time with your family. We yes. hope you get a ton of comic books. Yes. If, if you do gift giving, we hope you give a bunch of comic books. Yes. Uh, hopefully uh, next week, just after, or maybe just before the new year, we'll talk about some of our favorite books mm-hmm. from 2016. Mm-hmm. There were so many of them. I'm going to have to start looking at that right now. Another thing I want to do 2017, mm. comic book drive. Yes. Yeah, we absolutely. Need to, internet, we need to donate these comics to people who... who I don't who, know what I'm doing with these comics. We, what are we going to do with all these comics? These paperweights are made of paper. Let's, I don't know what to get, do with let's, this. Let's figure out a way to give these away to kids, to people, to kids, prime, ideally, yeah. who would be able to benefit from them. Kids mm-hmm. who don't have the money to buy them. Kids who'd be able to appreciate these characters because... You, let's say you buy 10 comics, five comics a week, mm-hmm. 52 weeks a year, mm-hmm. five, 10 years. Where are you going to put all them things? That's a lot of books. Where are you going to put those? That is a lot. And I know a lot of y'all buying more than five books. Yeah, no I doubt. I know I am. Today I did. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, and when's the last time you read comic books from 2015? No, not happening. 2014. Yeah. 21 Savage. That's not. No, 21. 21, 21 Savage. 21. 21. AKA Finn Godzilla. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Now we're getting back into that Star Wars. Yeah. That's good. I like Finn Godzilla. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. All right. So that's episode 52. We ready to get up out of here. Mm-hmm. It's late. Yeah, it You is. got anything else? No. I think that's everything. I hope you have a great holiday. Octavius, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you as well. I'll see you when it is done. Adam, thank you for your five stars and your positive comment. Uh, any old time, my friend. Listen, if you're listening to this show, subscribe. 
rate, review. Leave us five stars and a positive comment on iTunes. Follow us on SoundCloud. Leave comments as you're listening. Listen on Overcast. Listen on Google Play. Refer a friend. Tweet at us, at Adam Tedderus, at Octavius A. Newman. Hashtag AskCBJ. Comic Book Junto at BearFruit.com. The website for the T- Compo Junto merch is in the show notes. Check that out. We love talking to you guys on Twitter. That's been super fun. Mm-hmm. We love you guys, and thank you so much for walking with us, listening to us for 52 episodes. We appreciate you guys. We love y'all. It's been episode 52. Until next time, peace. Peace. <laughs>